What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. I am happy to be rocking and rolling. We're partying again. We're having conversations. We're gaining some perspective. I'm glad you guys can join and uh, and just fucking go along for the ride. So uh, I do have to ask if you are getting value out of the show, if you're gaining some perspective, you're thinking of things in a little bit of a different way, you're laughing, just whatever it may be, do me a solid, tell a friend, bring us a friend, share it on social media, leave a rating review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That helps a ton. Uh, subscribe, all of these things, they help the show grow, and I cannot thank you enough for doing so. This episode is brought to you by Imposed Will. Who is Imposed Will? We are Imposed Will. Imposed Will is my company, and and I'm having a rad time designing and just working really hard to put out some of the best quality apparel that there is. We've dropped some rash guards. Uh, we have a whole line of apparel hoodies and hats and all of that good shit. So go check it out. Uh, you can save 10% when you use the code OUTSIDE at checkout. And uh, listen, I can't thank you guys enough. The, the support that we've had thus far has been amazing. And, uh, you know, just to keep having you guys rocking with us really means the world to me. So thank you. Go over to imposedwill.com. Check out everything we have going on over there. And again, use the code outside. You'll save 10% at checkout. All right. So my guest today, I'm sitting down with Jared Game. Jared is an entrepreneur. He runs a jiu-jitsu gym. Uh, he has an affiliate academy called PSF Legacy. Uh, he is a, So he's a coach. He's a competitor. He is a security specialist. He's also a personal trainer. He's just an all-around positive, good guy. I really enjoyed uh, getting the chance to, to talk to Jared. I've known him through jiu-jitsu, just kind of social media. Um, we have our connections with Pedigo Submission Fighting, so I've known him through that. But this was the first time I actually sat down and had a, a long conversation with him. So it was really cool. He's a, he's a great human being. I really enjoyed it. Uh, without any rambling from me, we have Jared Game. Let's gain some perspective. All right, man. We're rocking and fucking rolling. Okay. All right. We just so, dude. This is it, man. We're just gonna keep keep on 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 rolling on, dude. So the thirty minute conversation we've already had. I know, dude. <laughs> we've been talking for a minute. I know. I just. Uh, I didn't know how much you wanted to talk about the world. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let me just get this off my chest right now. <laughs> You're probably like, diarrhea fucking of the mouth with this guy right now. You won't shut up. Well, it's hard because, like, you know, because when I was in the hospital not too long ago, I was like, damn, this sucks. I only have, like, a couple nurses, and then, you know, I had people like coach and friends coming in and out. Yeah. But I was like, this sucks. I would do terrible in prison. I'd yeah. sit around having oh, anybody to talk to. Go crazy, huh? So that's the couple of days I had in the hospital recovering from my my uh, knee and the MRSA. I was like, man, this is terrible. So like, first I got like, I want to talk to people. Yeah. I want to be around everybody. So MRSA is it's it's resistant to antibiotics, right? It's yeah. So this is how it got explained to me. And by no means am I a doctor. So if I misguide this, like, please yeah. no no need for comments. I'm not no a doctor. Worries. I'm not a doctor either. Yeah, but. Basically, what it is is if you have like an infection, a lot of times they give you a general antibiotic. Yeah, and they're like, "Okay, cool, you're you're good with this." Well, with MRSA, it fights it, and there's different strands of it. Uh-huh. So when I was there, 
how bad my leg was. Like I couldn't even walk. Like I had to get it. I had to ask for an old person walker just to go from my bed to the bathroom. Oh, wow. Like that's how much how painful it so was. Much pain. Yeah, and so they were giving me three different antibiotics. So that way they didn't know which strand, and they needed a certain one to kill it. So I was getting two liquid IV drops. Then there's another one that they you know pushed through the IV, and then also had orals. Oh wow! So it was just hammering me with stuff just to try to right just to just throw the kitchen sink at it right just yeah. everything that they can think of to kill the the infection yeah it was really bad dude, staff is no joke dude i've had i've had staff uh when i was in uh college when i was fighting mma okay and i remember like that was like a bad cold oh i've never had staff before yeah it was one of, it was one of those where it i didn't even do it like from jujitsu or mma yeah. What it was was one of those things where I was uh, with a bunch of people and we were gone for a weekend and we went camping mm-hmm. and I got it there somehow. Oh. And it was kind of funny because how I got uh, this leg infection. I was I was at a jiu-jitsu camp up in Maine for Origin. Yeah. You, do you think that had anything to do with it being up there? I mean, well, on the mats for a whole week? Nothing to do with the mats. Because literally every single night after, because it was three sessions a day, yeah. they cleaned it with you know bleach and they soap. did they did all the right. But I'm just, I guess maybe not even yeah. the mats, just the accumulation of, of people and. Well, what it, what it was was I had a small little like rug burn on my knees because it was at the uh, time we did no gi. Doesn't take much. And after you know, I grew up. I'm from a small farm, a small town guy. So after the second session, it was really hot. So me and two other guys from my cabin, we would go jump in the lake just to cool our body temperatures down. And we did that three times. Now, I'll be honest, there's the last two times after we were in the lake for like 30, 45 minutes, I did not go take a shower. I was just like, my body temps down. Okay, I'm just going to go sit down and relax. Oh, yeah. So you kind of had that that lake water on you. So I, I... Okay. It, it, I don't think it at all was from the jiu-jitsu mats. It was just from me going in the lake and just not thinking and taking a shower also. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. where I had the small rug uh, burn right here, and then literally about two inches over was with the start of it underneath my kneecap. Oh, wow. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so did I essentially get the rug burn from jiu-jitsu? Yeah, but the actual infection... Nothing to do with jiu-jitsu Yeah, at all. from the camp, but not because of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Wow. So it's just one of those, you know. Um, Freak accents. Yeah, you can't blame well, jiu-jitsu. I can't blame Origin or the camp. Yeah. It, the same thing could have happened. I could have been doing it, you know, with any of the guys. Yeah. And gone and jumped in the lake somewhere around here, and the same thing could have happened. That's true, man. That's totally true. So it's just a freak accent where I went from one of those awesome. Yeah, and like I said, I, I love that camp. That was probably one of the best experiences I've had in my life. I was supposed to go last year, and whenever they canceled that, I was really bummed. So, like, I can't say enough good things. I don't have a single bad thing to say about it. Yeah. And then, fortunately, I came home this happened yeah and then i had to cancel going to pans also yeah but i was kind of one of those i truly do believe everything happens for a reason both good and bad so something i've do because i'm out of work for a couple weeks still because i still have to have surgery and i didn't even know this when i got my mri to look for the MRSA. i have a partially torn meniscus Mm -hmm. And it's actually if came unraveled and it's caught in my knee joint. Ooh. So I also have to have surgery for that. That's brutal. So something I've, again, you know, everything happens for a reason. I can yeah. either sit at home and be a whiny little bitch about all this. Yeah. Or it's like, what can I do to improve? So I have probably like 20 videos of different instructions. And also, too, I have like instructional videos I've bought, you know, like Andrew Wiltsey's. And I have others from before I was with Pedigo. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I literally bought eight notebooks. Oh, okay. And what I'm doing is I'm labeling a notebook, you know, 
guard passing, guard retention, sweeps, arm bars, Kimuras. And I'm just going to start going through all those because right there's only so much I can do from at home. So I'm going to start making my own kind of curriculum for coaching. And if people have it, like now's the time to really sit around and study as much as I can because <laughs> I yeah. don't have anything else to you do. You have anything else to do. Exactly. Yeah. Well, definitely want to capitalize on, on the downtime, right? I mean, not not waste it. That's a good mentality to have for sure. Yeah, because I've always been those. Cause I, you know, I've had injuries before, and it's one of those, yeah. like, you can sit around and boo yeah. feel bad for yourself. I've definitely done that before. Yeah, and I, and I have too. Like, yeah, totally but you have. to learn from it, right? Yeah, or it's, hey – what what is it you can do? What have you right. been thinking about doing? Now's the time to do it. Yeah. So yeah, don't don't do that every fucking time. That's exactly, a, that's a mistake. Exactly. So just kind of making a list of yeah. things to do and what I can do to make myself better during this time. Yeah, dude, nice. Wow, that uh, how did it feel? So what it what when it was coming on? Did you feel like a pressure building up, or what was like? How long did it take to develop? So this is this is what happened is on the plane ride home from Maine to Chicago, yeah. I started to feel a little bit on the outside, just kind of like some little little like pain, and I was just like, you know what? It's probably like for eight days I was training three times a day. Three times a day. Yeah, and I'm I'm no young kid. I'm 38, so yeah. I was like, you know what? Training a bunch and then sitting in a plane, maybe it was just tight. Yeah. And then I landed Sunday in Bloomington and then literally went to work like right away. My plane got delayed. Yeah. So I didn't even get my luggage. I just hauled ass home, changed, went to work. Yeah. So, so lack of sleep, you're traveling, time zone changing. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And then Monday I went coached and one of my guys, Graham, his wife, Sarah was there and she's a nurse. And I noticed that there was a, probably about like a circle size just around my kneecaps turned red. So I asked mm. her, Hey, this is weird. What, what do you think? Is this something I need to worry about? And she was like, that's something you really should get checked out. Yeah. And I was kind of like being the tough guy. I was like, yeah, yeah I'll go to the doctor later. Just, yeah, that's how I'm, I'm always worried. I'm going to do that. And this is going <laughs> to yeah. turn out terrible. But she was really like, no, you really need, like I could tell that was a serious face. Mm. So where I work at, they have a nurse on site 24 hours. So I went to work that night, and I didn't go till one in the morning. So I was like, I'm going to get all my stuff done. And at one in the morning, I remember she saw it, and it, it had gotten a little bit bigger, but I could still squat past 90 degrees, like air squat. Yeah. And she was a little bit more concerned about it. She was like, actually, this could potentially be a blood clot. But I was like, I'm healthy. I wasn't quite sure about it. She's like, you should leave right now and get it checked out. So I was at one o'clock, and I told her, I said, tell you what, the next guy on my security team comes in at five. I'll leave at five. And I'm supposed to go off work at seven, but I was like, if it's bad, I'll leave at five yeah, or, I was, or I was going to wait. <laughs> well, crazy. At five o'clock, when the next person came in, during that four hour time frame, I couldn't bend my leg. <sighs> Bro, so you should have left I, sooner. So I waited until that guy came, and I was like, listen, here's what's going on. My leg, there's something wrong that I need to go. Yeah. And they were like, go, leave. Yeah, bro. So I went um, I went home and I changed because I didn't know if I was going to get admitted or not. Like, I really was like, something's wrong. Yeah. And I knew this wasn't something I could just be a tough guy and toughen out. Right. So I went home, let my dogs out, changed into some comfy clothes, went there. And I went to the ER and he really didn't seem too concerned about it. He was like, oh, it's just like a basic infection. I'm going to give you some oral antibiotics. And then he yeah. let me go for two hours. So I went and got the antibiotics. And two days later, I was supposed to go see a specialist. Yeah. So that was Thursday morning. I go see the specialist. And it was so bad walking. Yeah. 
I had to swallow my pride and I said, I need a wheelchair. Because I was, I was like, this is going to take forever for me to walk across this room. Yeah. And when I rolled up my pant leg at that time, it had really swollen up. And it was red from the middle of my thigh down to my ankle. Holy cow, dude. And the doctor, he went to like grab for my knee and I grabbed his hand. And I said, I was like, if you touch my knee, I'm going to fucking punch you. Oh. I was like, because it was that tender. Yeah. I was like, you can touch it or very lightly push on it. But I was like, if you squeeze it, I was like, I will scream and hit you. Oh, it wow. was that much pain. So Ooh, man. he just, he just took a look at it like 30 seconds. And he's like, you need to be admitted to the hospital right now. Yeah. And this, my heart sank. I was like, cause in my mind, I still was like, Hey, can you just give me a shot or something so I can compete Saturday at pants? <laughs> cause I still had my, in your mind, you're still about to compete. Yeah. Cause I still had my, I still had my flight. I had, you know, I was ranked number three at Pans, like going into it. Yeah. I had a buy. I had the hotel room ready. I had, I had like all my stuff packed, yeah. ready to go for my competition bag. Yeah. And he was like, "You're gonna be admitted." I was like, "This is week of, few days of." Four, so I was supposed to, I was supposed to compete Saturday, and it was Thursday morning. Oh. So in my mind, I could still fly out Friday morning and go compete. Oh my goodness! But then when I went into the hospital and they checked me out and all that. Yeah. When they did the blood drawn and they did another MRI and they kind of figured out what it was, they told me, they're like, if you would have waited two more days, so if I would have gone to Florida and competed, yeah, they're like, you would have lost your leg. Like, they would have <laughs> had to cut me from above the knee completely, had to cut it off. So I was like... That's some scary news. It's Yeah, and I was like, there's one of those things where I was like, man, this sucks, like, not being able to go to PANS. Yeah, but there's a lot. But there- at the same time, I was like... I don't, you know, I have my leg. You can go to all the other pans later on. Exactly. With two legs. But it, it was one of those where, oh you my know, goodness. and I'm not going to lie at all. Like when I decided I had to go admitted, I had to go to work. And one of my bosses, he's, I, I can't say enough good things about this man, but you know, I told him what was going on and I broke down and cried in front of him. Yeah. And I'm not like an emotional person. Yeah. So even he, he knew something was yeah, up. Yeah, man. That's, that's some heavy shit, dude. I mean, that's a lot to process. you you feel bad yeah. already. I know it's whenever I don't feel well mm-hmm. or, you know, you get injured. It, it, you can, it puts you in a place to where you can get to like that extreme state of mm-hmm. feeling very quickly. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, man, or how, I mean, how can you not with everything going on, the gravity of the whole situation, mm-hmm. right? Like, whoo. It was bad. You're all the way invested in going to PANS. You can't go to PANS. You feel terrible. Yeah, and like, I'd use that camp as, like, my pre-workup into camp. Yeah, like, you like know, that's my, your last little... Yeah, my weight was good. My cardio was great. feel like, great. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like... That's heartbreaking. Damn. Yeah. But, again, like it is one of those things where I think everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And then when the doc at the hospital said the same thing, this is somewhere there's still this potential you could lose your leg. Uh-huh. So again, I kind of cried, felt bad for myself, and then when he left, I was like, "Okay, suck it the fuck up." Like, yeah, let's focus. So I started looking up one-legged grapplers <laughs> and one-legged, you know, workouts. Yeah, you can do a whole bunch of good shit. Yeah, and I was like, there was a part of me. There was, um, I can't remember his name, but there was this kid from Arizona State that has one leg, and he was a national wrestling champ. Oh, really? So I started looking up a lot of his stuff. Yeah. And if you looked at him, like his upper body yeah. is two weight classes above the kid he went against yeah because yeah yeah so i started kind of like okay well you know some this is gonna suck but it's not gonna stop me yeah you're gonna go down a weight class because you're gonna lose some <laughs> yeah it's like and i got pretty damn good legs so i was like man if, if this is the cards they're gonna be i'm gonna be mentally prepared for yeah, just getting back into it thank god we didn't have to go that route thank goodness but yeah that's a 
hell of a mindset to have during the whole thing. Yeah, because I was like, you know, I could just sit around and boo-hoo, feel bad for me. Or it's if this is a possibility, I want to be mentally ready. How am I going to do this? Yeah, yeah. Are you taking any, uh, like, probiotics or anything right now to kind of help? With you know mm-hmm. the antibiotics, the antibiotics will wreck your gut. Oh yeah, and there I still have. After today, I still have three more days of like the orals at home. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I take that kombucha, kombucha? which which yeah. I I had never heard of that actually yeah. till I started training with uh, the Pedigo guys. Oh really? And when I went and stayed with them. Like they were all getting that. And oh, I was that's like, my jam. It's just fermented tea. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, it's pretty what cool. the hell is this? And they're like, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> it can be. Yeah, kind of vinegary. Yeah, but now I'm I'm used to it. So I take that, and then I also I'm a very healthy person. So I do lots of like yogurt with honey and fruit. That's so, good. So I do yogurt and I do the kombucha later on in the evening. Nice. So that way it's like I'm yeah still go- still going. With yeah, it. man, I um. I haven't as as recently as as I use. I haven't as much recently as I as I did at one point. But I was eating quite a bit of uh, sauerkraut for a while, and then I was mm-hmm. I tried some kimchi. Kimchi wasn't really my favorite, but I I ate it for a little bit. But yeah, I definitely try to always get different fermented foods in where mm-hmm. I can. Yeah, it's it's one of those where like I I never would have. I was like you know sixteen, invincible, and I knew everything. Yeah, I would have never tried that stuff because it's like oh that just smells or tastes bad. I'm not going to. But now that I'm a little bit older, it's one of those where, yeah, it's an acquired taste, but is it good for me with my health? Is it going to possibly make me better with, like, digesting healthy food, give me energy for workouts, digest my food better? So that way then I have the right stuff to then recover from workouts or it's going to let me process my food to give me good energy. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how it's like, yeah, in the perfect world, I wish I could eat pizza every night. Right. And I'm going to be healthy. Right. Don't be wrong. Like, I do eat pizza. Pizza's my favorite food. Oh, I love it. I had it. pizza yeah. the other day. <laughs> I'm actually going to have it later tonight. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you, it's not sustainable. But, but it's, it's not a healthy. Yeah, and it, it, it's a balance where it's like, okay, I know I'm going to eat shitty pizza tonight. Yeah. You know, it's going to be delicious. I'm going to love every second. Yeah. But then the rest of the day, I'm eating very healthy and a little bit lower carbs. Mm-hmm. So that way then I can enjoy it later that night. Oh, okay. And plus, like, you know, I've. There's a lot of people I know that eat pizza three or four times a week. Yeah. I try to eat it only one time. Sometimes I'll snap and I'll do two. Yeah. But because I eat it a little bit less when I eat it, it is so damn good. Oh, man, I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. I could eat pizza or burgers. Those are like my two guilties. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, man. Those. I love it. I love it. Um, but, yeah, man, I've always just tried I've, – I've noticed um, – well, not notice, but just with with antibiotics, you know, obviously, I just said kind of can wreck your gut. So I was just wondering if you were doing anything like that. But, dude, so how was the camp? Camp was awesome. I, again, kind of like you, I actually was going to try to go the year before, but because of, you know, the pandemic, they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And I've been a huge fan of Jocko Willink for years. Yeah. So when I found out he was involved with Origin, I dove into it. And then I found out about Pete Roberts, the owner of it. And the more I did research on him and listened to like his podcast, his YouTube videos, yeah. I was like, this he seems is like a cool a, guy. Yeah, really solid guy. And it's kind of funny because if you look at how like I got started with entrepreneurship with personal training out of my garage and then it evolved into a non for profit, then evolved into own a jitsu academy. And if you looked at how he started where he was training guys in the grass yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy how like similar mindsets those parallels mine so when pete started origin he has property out in the woods of maine hmm. and one day he was like you know what because he tried outsourcing a gi company overseas 
I'm pretty sure they just fucked him. Yeah. And they stole his design and started doing his own thing. Oh, shit. And he was he was competed in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, like he's, he's a legit grappler. He, yeah. So he, so he, what, so what did he do? He designed, um, like a particular way to kind of weave the fabric yeah. for the geese that he wanted because they have some very unique geese. Very, yeah. I love them. They're beautiful. They're hands down my favorite geese. Yeah, they look they look great. Yeah, and they feel great. Yeah, and what he wanted to do is he was like, you know what? He start he started you know and outsourcing overseas. Right, and then they sold his shit, and then yeah, so he well, said, they started. Producing it for other people. Yeah, and he just said, you know what, screw it. So he literally had a buddy come over with a chainsaw, took out some trees in the backyard, built a, like a barn shed, and started learning how to weave fabric. Yeah. How to sew. Yeah, I know they found, uh, like, I don't know what the machines are even called. It's called a loom. Oh, looms. Yeah, they got some old looms, right? Yeah, yeah and that's uh, that's what he did is he actually was trying to find these looms. But yeah. when, you know, kind of through the Industrial Revolution, slowly it they started selling them overseas because mm. you, you just get you know it done cheaper over there yeah we've 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 shipped that whole industry mm-hmm, yeah. out of the, the u.s and what he did is he actually got a hold of an old timer and he said where can i find a loom and he just said get in the truck and they went two or three blocks abandoned building there was one up there how fortunate is that yeah holy and, cow because well, in in maine boston area during, if you look back in history, during the Industrial Revolution, it's there. Yeah. So. A lot went on in the Northeast there. Yeah. So it's kind of kind of crazy how he went from doing something on his own property to now he has, you know, the the main factory for, like, the clothing, the geese yeah. in town. Then he has a place for the Jocko fuel. Then they give has, you guys a whole tour of this shit? Yeah. So uh, the camp, you can either do a four-day or an eight-day. And yeah. me, I was like, I'm all, all in. in. I'm doing, I'm, if I'm going to go, go, go big. Hell yeah. <laughs> so we did uh, training a couple days, and the people they brought in for the instructors were phenomenal. Yeah. And then after four days, you got to tour all the factories if you wanted to. Okay. And I'm a wholesaler for them, so I was like, hell yeah, I want to. Oh, you wholesale for them? Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, the two, the, the three most important parts of the camp for me was one, meeting Jocko, just because he's a hero of mine. You know, he's somebody I look up to. I've read all his books, like, um, and his book that you have right here, Extreme Ownership. Yeah. I, when I got Jocko to sign it, I had the first edition, and he noticed that. Oh, nice. So he knew I'd been a fan of his for a long time. And then my boss that I uh, told you about with my leg injury, when I went to see him, I actually gave him the new copy, and I told him, so this is how I hold myself to my standards at work and personal life. So, and he's a big reader too. Yeah. So I gave him a copy of this. And when he came to visit me in the hospital, we had a long talk about the book and why I like it. Yeah. Dude. So, so getting to meet Jocko and have him sign oh, it. Oh, yeah. That was. He's an exceptional human. Great part. And then when we were at the factory where all the clothes were, everybody was talking to Jocko. And I went up to Pete and I said, hey, Pete. Can I steal like five, ten minutes of your time? Because nobody was talking to him. Everybody wanted to talk Jocko. Talk Jocko. And I was kind of like, that was my chance to talk to Pete. Smart man. Yeah. Yeah, talk to Pete. He's, he's so interesting. Yeah, so I said, can I steal five, ten minutes of your time? So I started talking to him about how I started with personal training in my home. And then I got into, you know, the Jiu-Jitsu Academy and my non-for-profit. And I said, this is what I'm bringing to the table. And I just kind of gave him the highlights. I said, can you give me any tips or advice? And he told me the most important thing. He said, is the culture of you being a coach, the culture of the gym, the academy. And that was one of the first things I pointed out to him. So he said, you have a good start because if you have a bad attitude, if you have a bad seat in your academy 
or bad atmosphere, people aren't going to want to be a part of it. Right. So he said, if you are a positive person, you actually look out for people. And that's if you ever spend time with Peter, look at his videos, you see how much he really cares about his coworkers, his family. People. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what's going to draw people to you and your organization. Right. So, you know, we ended up talking for like 30 minutes. Yeah. So that was cool. He that's took, awesome. He took the time. And I'm not a big wholesaler. You know, I'm very small, new to this. And I've never been a wholesaler or anything. So I'm still, still learning, you know, trial by fire. I, I describe as I'm building the plane as I'm flying it. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> yeah. That's just how it goes. Yeah. And, um, the cool part for me is they had these really cool like ceramic mugs and just after a while my ADD kicked in and I was like do you guys sell those mugs like that's really cool and he's like oh yeah and I was like how much is it and he grabbed he goes it's on the house just Uh, keep it oh sweet so right then I was like you know what I'm never going to drink out of this mug because it's like you know I got to talk with a keepsake it's a memory uh, yeah I had a really great conversation with the owner of origin and got and he, some good. Tips. And then he just gave this to you. Yeah. So I was like, and I, I don't even know how much the thing is. I'm sure it wasn't cheap. It wasn't right. like you know hundreds of dollars. But still, it's one of those things like you were kind enough to take the time out to talk to me, right? And then give me a gift. It's gonna mean something. There's no better gift that that somebody can give you than their time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just sit there and just listen to you, and then just give you their thoughts. Like that's one of the reasons why I love podcasting so much is. Uh, like I was saying before we started recording, well, one, it, it helps me kind of develop like that imp- like more empathy and mm-hmm. connection because people are so important. Like mm-hmm. as humans, we need other people. It's just a fact of life. We need them. And, uh, oh, fuck, I lost my train of thought, dude. <laughs> Shit. What the hell was I about to say? Let me, I, I think I knew where you were going is you said it's connecting with people. No, there's another point. What yeah. was, what was, we were talking about how because Pete gave me time to speak to him and he gave me a gift. Oh, that's why I like podcasting. Oh, people, yeah, because look, because when, when the fact that somebody will share, you know, 30 minutes like with Pete or an hour and they're just, they're giving you that time and then they're also sharing their knowledge and their insight with you. Mm-hmm. Man, that's just so invaluable. You know what I mean? Just the fact that people do that is just so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. the fact that he's generous and just was able to, it was like, all right, man, cool. Like, let me hear, he didn't know you, right? No, he not was at like, all. He's like, let me let me listen to him and then give you his advice and then he mm-hmm. gave you an awesome gesture of a gift. It's like that's super cool. Like sounds like a very yeah. rad human being. Oh, very much. And then he's a very large man. And I'm I'm five ten, two hundred, two oh five, so I'm like a little bit above average built. Yeah. He dwarfs me. Like he is a large human. Yeah. But I asked him a couple times, Hey, will you roll with yeah, me? Yeah, so did you get to roll with him? So I did get to, but I knew it was the first couple times he was like, Oh, I'm Got to see these people. I could tell because he didn't. He didn't know me from Adam at all. You know. Yeah, you, so, it's dangerous. Yeah, he didn't know what I was gonna do, and I think from that talk we had, he realized who I was as a person. And I was like, I'm not gonna try to like do a bicep slice or a heel hook. Grant, I wouldn't have got it. Like he would beat the hell out of me. And eventually, he told me he's like, tell you what, tomorrow, like he he kind of strained his like uh, trap. Mm. He's like, if I feel better tomorrow, I'll roll with you. So huh. I was like. Okay. And I was like, there still wasn't sure. Yeah. So I was working with the guy before uh, the afternoon session and he went up to me and he was like, you ready to go? I was like, right now? He's like, you've been asking me all week. And I was like, all right, let's go. So in front of the whole camp. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. He's, he could have done me a lot worse. Yeah. Like there's, I'm in the game long enough. I know when somebody's like really dropping pressure, rip submissions. 
I didn't get a single move of offense, but he was very kind. Oh, yeah. So it was, and for me, like, it wasn't about can I BP, can I get an offense move? It was just an honor to roll with a good human being yeah. that's very skilled. Yeah, just to show them that. Yeah, and then later on, I believe it, I believe it was the next day, he was kind of joking. He's like, you want to go again? I was like, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> of course. So I got a picture with him, and I said, all right, come on, let's go. He's like, you really want to go in? I was like, I'm not going to be able to roll with you next week. Like, I'm probably like, not going to see you till next year. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's roll again. Yeah, take advantage of the opportunity to roll with him twice. I got to roll with him twice, yeah. And nice. I and I got to roll with some other guys, like J.P. Donnell. He's a Navy SEAL. He Dude, I've been – yeah, I've been – J.P. and I were supposed to podcast whenever I was – Oh, really? Whenever I went down to uh, Dallas for Nogi Pans. Yeah. Uh, whenever, last year, whenever. Yeah, I remember I was, that. I was supposed to podcast with him. Unfortunately, he had something come up and he had to go out of town. So – um, I didn't reach out to him. I probably should still. I think I have a f- two or three weeks still. Yeah. Nogi Nogi Worlds is in Dallas. Yep. So I might up. try to reach out to him and see if uh yeah. we we can sit down. He's such a a good dude from what I can tell. He's actually in St. Louis these past with couple of days doing some uh, first form. Uh, um, I think it's with Echelon Front. I know there's okay. a lot of first form guys there. They they usually stop by the office. Mm-hmm. So they're friends with those guys. Um, but I th- I think they ran like an FTX or something like that with okay. Echelon Front here in St. Louis. Yeah. It was like four or five grand or some shit. That's, I was like, man, I would love to do this. <laughs> that's actually where I'm kind of, because I, you know, I follow Jocko and I follow Echelon Front and there's... Yeah, JP and Leif. Yeah, and there's, there's a lot of things that I believe in the field I'm in at work because I do, I do corporate security for Rivian, okay. the electric car company. Okay. Like literally the plant is... Uh, four miles from my house. Oh, that's cool. So I got very, I was very fortunate very to pick that location. Yeah. And there's a lot of aspects of what they teach that I think is great for the field I'm in. So that's where I'm kind of hoping with my boss reading the book, he dives into it a little bit more. We had to talk. So I think me working towards a leadership role in the security field at Rivian. I'm hoping at some point I can kind of be like, hey. Yeah, like leverage this book. Le- leverage Not only leverage the book, but I would love to do one of the musters. Because mm-hmm. you Bring learn. them into your office and have the have the company pay for it. Well, that's where I don't think I don't think that they would bring them to Rivian. But I could see them sending me and somebody, potentially me and somebody else, to a muster oh, to learn. Even better. Take notes and bring it back in. That'd be cool. I think that would be more cost effective. For them, yeah. Yeah, and I'm very much one. And I... They knew that about me going into hiring me and also to front work is I'm very much a lead by example person. And that goes with my personal life, my coaching and work. Yeah. So I'm hoping that the more I lead by example and do that at work, hopefully that will benefit me with something I privately want, but also what I'm going to bring to the table with work. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're much more of like actions, speak louder than words kind of guy. Yeah. Because any, I can't tell you how many times and you, you've been in the game with jujitsu and MMA people come in like i'm gonna train seven days a week and i'm gonna be a world champion two weeks later gone where's where's this asshole at always <laughs> yeah yeah so that's one of those where you know you can tell anybody anytime hey i want to do this 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 but realistically do they do it right some do yeah. and I'll, I'll give credit some do and others you're like okay well why don't you show me yeah and that's kind of how i how I how I try to yeah be. man you can say all the words that you want but your actions will tell the truth oh yeah hundred percent and and that's part of the things too where um, it was kind of funny because I didn't see this video until my last day in the hospital so when 
I gave my boss this book. I said, you know, I think you would really like this. And I gave a quick little brief and I said, this is how I hold myself accountable when I'm at work, like some of the lessons I've learned in this book. And then my last day in the hospital and in, in, uh, LinkedIn, Leif Babin was talking about how, you know, some people are going to go to the muster, read the book, and they're going to go to the book. like, you need to read this. I'm going to own this extremely. And, you know, trying to pound in your chest. Your boss probably is not going to read that. They're going to be like, this guy's psycho. Yeah. Or if you say, hey, I got done reading this book. This is the standards I'm going to hold myself to. If you'd like to read it, so now you know how to motivate and hold me. If you're interested, here's a copy. Yeah. It's kind of funny. That's very much a great way on how to open up to somebody yeah. that you're trying to you know, influence. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was pretty close to what I did. Yeah, so, positioning matters. Yeah, because it, it's like anything else too. And that's you know, coaching, your personal life. How you talk to people. Right. Because, you know, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, if you go up to somebody like, you need to learn this and you need to think this way. Yeah, nobody wants to be told what to you, do. Man. <laughs> yeah, bro. No, but if you're able to say, you know, like, well, this is how I view things and this is why, and you have a conversation. Right. But when people start, like, pointing the fingers, it's like, I'm the wrong person, Jack, to talk to you like that. Yeah, you're going to get pushed back every time. Yeah, and I, on, I've you know, I've had people that have tried to do it, and I just say, like, you know something? I just don't want to have this conversation. I just don't think it's going to go anywhere, yeah. and I just walk away. Mm, and I, I just don't care. Because at this point in my life, it's I want to be around good people. Yeah, I want to have good conversations, learn from them, or hopefully I can help learn something from you or teach you. Yeah. But if it's somebody that their mindset and they're only going to talk like this, it's like, I'm good. Yeah, there's no there's no point in interacting with. You're not going to change. They're that. not open minded to have a conversation. Right. So if you're like I'm very open minded for the most part, mm-hmm. but there's some things I'll fully admit like I could be an asshole and be like, no, I have my mindset on this. I'm not going to change it. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm very open minded if it wants to be a conversation. But once it's you need to do this or you need to think like this, like. It's over. Yeah, don't tell. Yeah, man. I, it's just never. Just, there's just something internally, right? You're like, oh, I just, I got to push back against yeah. that. Yeah, because you're going to be defensive. And yeah. that's just, and they're going to be defensive because you're pushing yeah. back. And I was like, it's just going to. Yeah, not everything, not everything deserves your time and energy and focus. No, exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, there was, um, I was actually having this conversation not too long ago. Is People were talking about, like, uh, certain types of, like yoga and like chakra and like the healing stones mm-hmm. and some of these people are, like really into that yeah and I was like hey that's cool and I don't mind having a conversation but I don't know anything about it to have an intelligent right pushback so I just kind of something like that if you truly believe in it awesome more power to you yeah I don't have that education about it so I'm just gonna listen and yeah it is what it, decipher and who who are you hurting who are you hurting with, yeah. with with some of those things well and I I tell people I was like if you truly believe this and this helps you go for it yeah just like there's some people and I come from the gym world because I got my education exercise science there's some people that cannot work out without a pre-workout a drink in between their workouts a protein drink afterwards loaded with five other things and I'm yeah. like hey if you think all that works. And it is working, cool. But also, I'm realistic, and I used to manage, you know, supplement stores. There's some of that shit that really is, yes, it helps to manage your expectations. Yeah, but if psychologically it's helping you through a placebo effect, just like people with the stone chakra yoga. Yeah, if it's helping you and you believe it, go for it. Yeah, I mean, if you're not hurting anybody else, and 
and in your mind it is a benefit to you the placebo we call it the placebo effect and and sometimes i feel that we don't really give that enough credit for what it is it's it's literally your mind making something real oh yeah whatever your belief is you know what i mean and that's done some exceptional things for some people like heal things that you would never guess that could be healed right even just by taking like a sugar tablet or something of that oh yeah so like the the mind is very powerful. So to your point, I mean, if it's helping you, man, all all power well, to you. Oh yeah, and that's and that's even part of like the sports psychology. Like I've really dug deep in sports psychology the past two years. Okay. And because I got a minor in it, but it was more like I only had to take like four or five classes. Like it really wasn't. Yeah, nothing that, really that intensive. hard. But then when I started looking into more the coaching, because when I was personal training, I wanted to be looked at more as a coach instead of just a trainer, because. People think trainers, I think of like the big meatheads or the mean girls that are like, quit being a pussy, give me 10 more. Yeah, you're just writing up workouts and telling people. Yeah, but weights. when I was looking at like coaching and the psychology of, you know, some people you need to get in their face, other people need to be coddled, other people want, need goals and challenges. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's totally what personal training is. It's being a coach and, you know, kind of pushing people different ways. Yeah, it's like behavior influence. So when I got more and more into that stuff i was looking at guys like phil jackson bobby knight mm. some of the really good coaches and hey right. what did they do and that stuff so i've i've actually instead of reading a lot of books on athletes i'm reading a lot more books on coaches mm, because nice. that's my role as a personal trainer yeah and as a coach owning a jiu-jitsu academy yeah 100 percent, man i've in general i got this jordan wooden book down there um he was the a basketball coach. I do believe. Yeah, I know. I know the name. I was just looking. I need to. Yeah. I need to read the book. I haven't read it yet. But it. Um, I'm in general. I'm just. I'm learning that you can learn so much just by reading about a person and mm -hmm. some of their experiences and thoughts and endeavors. So, I, I have been diving more into biographies and different books written by different people, like autobiographies or just thoughts or whatever their thing is on yeah. a certain subject. Like I read the book um, by uh, Ray Kroc, uh, Grinding It Out, about how he built McDonald's, and then I yeah. read Sam Walton's uh, Made in America. Mm -hmm. um, and, man, those are – and Phil Knight's uh, Shoe Dog, one uh, of my favorite books, dude. When I, when I actually went to Pants, so my first IBJJF term is Pants. I don't recommend that. Do an Ivy tournament first before you go to a big one. Yeah. But on my way to Pans was um, when I was reading that Shoe Dogs, and that was a great book. This dude, such a good story. Yeah, it really is kind of crazy how he just started off uh, just with like a track shoe and now to what yeah. it is. You know, what really resonated with me in that book was how – he had this idea to start a business, and he was with his buddy, and then I think they ended up in Hawaii for a while or somewhere, and then... It, they started... They had the idea in Hawaii. Yeah. Well, And then it, they went to SoCal. Yeah. Uh, and and, then and that's when they started it, yeah. Well, either, when he, he, he took a job, and he had this idea, and his buddy ended up, like, falling out of it, mm -hmm. and then... He ended up working for four or five, like six years until he actually picked up the business part again. So it was just kind of, it really resonated with me because I have this business imposed will and I started it a, a while back whenever I first started fighting and I put it on the back burner and then like I'm picking it up again and really focusing on building this business. So it really resonated with me in that it's like, shit, man, he still built this huge company and he, you know, he had this idea life kind of took a hold and he kind of went away from it but then he mm -hmm. came back to it and refocused and still managed to to build it and there's just so many cool lessons in there that he learned 
But uh, just in general, man, you can learn so much from other people's experiences. hundred oh, percent. And what I really like too with that book too, Phil Knight, and then the Ray Kroc book too. So I've watched the I watched the movie. I've I've watched it so many I, times. I love that man. Uh, he is kind of a prick, but like, dude, but I'm not under any though. impression that he was a, a fantastic human no, being. No, no, but I see where his drive and determination. He, oh man, you need that to be a successful with business entrepreneurship. Yeah, but. The things that I really do like about with the Ray Kroc story with Phil Knight, even if you look at like something like Michael Jordan too, like greatest basketball player of all time. Oh yeah, is learning about their failures and how they've overcome them. Yeah, I, and I openly admit this to like all of my students, anybody of personal training. I always tell us I have fucked up way more than I've ever succeeded. Yeah, and. When I was helping them get ready for, like, uh, their first jiu-jitsu tournaments, I tell them, like, okay, here's where I fucked up. I literally was only training jiu-jitsu about two months. And I was like, let's go do a tournament. On the way to the tournament, I asked my buddy. I was like, hey, how the hell do I score points? (laughs) I never wrestled, so I didn't know how to do a takedown. Oh, wow. So I was learning how to do all this on the car ride over. That's so funny. So I tell the guys, too, like, okay. This is how you do things, this and this. And yeah. plus with my old, uh, my past, the other two teams I did jiu-jitsu with where we started on our knees. And now, you know, with Pedigo, with all of us, no, we start standing. Uh-huh. And, you know, all these guys, they say like, oh, I've never done a takedown. I was like, hey, never did I. So let's work on it. Yeah. So that way when it was tournament time, they were prepared. You're truly head first in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I told them, I was like, I didn't get this when I started. Yeah. Here's what I did wrong. And even... Like I was talking about just a little bit ago with pans. I'd never done an IBJJF tournament. The first one's pans, which in my well, opinion is the third biggest tournament in the world. Well, if it makes you feel any better. What did I do? <laughs> my first IBJJF was, was Master Worlds. So. Oh, man. There you go. Yeah. And first first round got triangle. Just, oh, did you? Oh, yeah. I was scared shitless. I was just. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. I wasn't mentally ready. So now. It's I, a big tournament. Yeah. So I tell the guys, like, listen, this is where I was just like, no, I'm with Pedigo. I'm better. I'm, I'm going to do this. And I wasn't. And then I started doing, you know, like the Tennessee one, the Chicago, you know, like other IBJJF. Yeah, you started getting reps in. To learn. So now I had some guys from my team, like they did the Indiana tournament. I'm going to have some guys sign up to do the Tennessee tournament. So it's like, let's try some smaller IBJJFs. Yeah. Get you ready and then do it. And yeah. I also, and I start them first, like Fuji or Grappling Industries. Those are great. Then get into an IBJJF. Then we'll get you up there. So I tell them, it's like the way I did how I got into MMA, how I got into jiu-jitsu, it was all terrible. It was dumb. Yeah. So I said, these are my mistakes. I'm teaching you how to learn from my mistakes. Yeah. And like the the books that, you know, you've talked about, same thing. They're very open about their mistakes and what they did wrong. And that's how you learn. You know? Yeah. You're not going to learn if every tournament you go in, you smoke everybody. It's like, oh, yeah. No, you need to go in, get your ass kicked, Go to a different team where you really get your ass kicked, and then you get better. Yeah. And that's just – that's both in jiu-jitsu world, any type of athletic endeavor, and also even in your career. Like, you know, my, my job in the security field, like, man, I've fucked up a lot. But I've learned from it, and I've, I'm open about it because I'll tell people, too, when I'm teaching them, okay, when I started, I did this wrong. I'm telling you this so you don't do it. Yeah. And I think that's an invaluable way because a lot of leaders – 
I'm never wrong. Everything I do is right. Like, yeah. oh man, tell them, tell me when you were wrong. We all mess up. Unfortunately, sometimes you just have to learn the hard way, even if even if yeah. someone tells you. <laughs> yeah. The, the problem is when you do it wrong five, six times in a row. Then it's oh like, yeah. Okay, you're that's just, the issue. You're just being an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then we got to do something different. But yeah, I think about that with uh, with my son. It's like, man, I'm trying to just trying to just save you some pain, buddy. Mm-hmm. But he's he's so determined to just learn. Do it my way. Do it do it his way. We were all kids once, and we all thought we had it figured out. You know, you try to keep that perspective, and then you get on the other side of things. You just realize how much of an idiot you were as a kid, oh, and it doesn't matter. Even though you thought you had it, mm-hmm. you really didn't. Well, and I think the thing is too, because you know, I'm I'm 38, so we're around the same age too. The the difference is so like what we did as a kid that was bad is completely different than kids nowadays if we did the same thing. So like here here's my example is I, I got a couple guys that are cops at my academy. So I remember when I was sixteen and I, I'm do not endorse this, I don't recommend kids to do this, but when I was sixteen I played football in high school. So there were some days, you know, I had a part time job or a retail job and I couldn't go to the football workout, to the lifting. Because, mm. you know, I just need basic gas money. So at my high school, where the weight room was, it was kind of an older building. So there's a certain door I knew I could push and pull, and it unlocked. Okay. So I broke into my high school to go work out. Oh, really? So I don't recommend children to do that. I'm not endorsing that. Yeah. But also, I was trying to you know improve myself i was yeah. trying to work out that's not the worst thing you could have been doing yeah and i i realized that nowadays i feel like if i would do that nowadays like about 16 i did that i probably would get arrested possibly i feel like when catch on some trespassing maybe you it, know it, it just it, depends on what you're doing yeah it just depends. and it's like i wasn't you know i told my cop buddies and you know i asked them like the old old timers i was like yeah. what would you have done and they're like well at 1999, they're like, we probably would be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Do your parents know? And they did it. And there wasn't cell phones. Yeah. So they're like, we probably would have called your parents or or drove you home. Yeah. And let them deal with you. Yeah. Like, But nowadays, like, we probably would have had to call your coach, the school administration. Oh, let everybody know. Yeah, man. They take, you know, it's funny. I was actually just talking to a friend yesterday about this. And we do not allow kids to still kids well even in general it's always really been this way that you know your brain isn't fully developed until you're 25 anyway right so i mean that's just a fact like that's science your ability to have like forethought and to make complete thought out decisions isn't fully formed typically until around that age yeah so as a society we tell 18 year old kids still very much kids with uh, underdeveloped brains that you are now an adult in society and i get i get that because in in some regards i mean you are i mean you're 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 still you're you're grown up sort of because even then you're still not even still physically developed you know what i mean because you can still develop into a very much more of a mature adult Mm -hmm. right so we tell these kids that you're an adult and then but the gravity of their decisions is so heavy Mm -hmm. and they don't even have the ability to like think through all of these things right so it's just man it's just so crazy just the idea of these kids making making certain decisions oh yeah you know what i mean well i mean 
And this is kind of and how well I guess actually my actual point is sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. The decisions that make it just how I guess to my point the gravity that it can be right because you're gonna call the cops on maybe a 16 year old because mm-hmm. he broke in to to work out to work out yeah. or even more realistic what's happening today it's like if a kid gets in a fight. Dude, now you're gonna call cops or press charges, and I was oh, I was like I said, I was talking to my friend. I was just watching a movie, and it was maybe like late '80s, early '90s movie, mm-hmm. and these two kids like, do you use restroom or anything? Good as your knee? No, it's it's my legs kind of cramping up. Okay. but I'm good. I just want to make sure you're comfortable. I know sitting here is like it yeah. can be uncomfortable, dude. No, I'm just kind of cramp cramping up because my knee like it tightens up. So I'm like, oh, I need to. Yeah, move bro, you just bit. yeah, you just had freaking. You've been a long stay in the hospital. Yeah, so you're. I totally get it. No, I'm good. I sometimes gotta. Move a little bit, but uh, but the 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 point is, uh, the the kids fought and it was uh it was like in gym class or some shit mm-hmm. and the teacher broke broke them up and was like hey hey what's going on here and like get back to class or what you're doing right and then he turns to the one kid and like because it's like the kid who typically bullies the one kid and the one kid finally stands up for himself because right. it was like some sort of martial art movie I can't remember which one it was but uh, and then the gym teacher was like. Hey, good job, kid. You know, like, like way yeah. to stick up for yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like you're developing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now, if that same shit happened, it'd be like, oh, we gotta call everybody's parents, and you, get, and then somebody's gonna get arrested, and we might possibly mm-hmm. press charges on on even yeah. kids that are younger than eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, man, like, where does it end? That's so crazy. Like, yeah. wh- these kids' brains aren't fully developed yet. We're treating them like they're one able to make decisions that are of certain gravity and two we're acting like they're they're an adult it's just crazy yeah no and i i talk about that all the time because i remember when i was a freshman in high school there was some kid and you know we were 14 so we got into an argument about a girl you yeah know, mature things a 14 year old that matters yeah. yeah and you knew what you're talking about yeah exactly and we were outside on the bus lane and we started kind of shoving each other and i remember my history teacher went up to us and he was a basketball coach too so he was tall towered over 14 year old he's like listen if you two idiots fight here he goes i'm gonna have to grab you both you guys are both getting suspended he goes go across the street there's nothing i can do (laughs) just you know i went over there and we handled business this is what and it was it was over after that we didn't have an argument you know, like I whooped his ass, but he got the girl. So it just is what yeah, it is, but, man. You know, you would you would hope that kids don't act crazy and retaliate after they they get beat up or something. But sometimes that does happen. Yeah. But I think a great majority of the time that doesn't happen. No. Well, and depending on where you're at and circumstances and different things. But dude, I fought in eighth grade with this guy, and we ended, he ended up winning the fight. But we ended up being really good friends all through mm-hmm. high school after that. And it's like it just is what it is. Well, and that's that was something I. I actually was going to bring up too. That's a great point is some of my best friends. So Tom, Tom Butler, who owns the uh, Mattoon affiliate. Okay. We've been friends for probably 12 years and he is hands down one of my best friends. And in that time, I think there's legit only one time we have not gotten together and either grappled or sparred or like done something like physical, physical. against each other. Yeah. And I was like, that's just our friendship. I think the more like, and also too, like, there's a guy that my academy, and there's a guy from my previous academy that we go against all our time. Like, hey, you, it's yeah. on, let's go, and it's going to be a scrap. Yeah. And they're some of my best friends because I feel like with this sport that we're in, yeah. the more you beat the shit out of each other, there's a bond. There, it really is a bond of sweat, you know, sharing Just the sweat, sharing the blood together. Yeah. And it's funny, like, 
yeah, remember the time I choked you out? You started snoring. Remember I, yeah. you know, got you in a quick hold, and you like screamed while you tapped. Like you <laughs> laugh about it, dude. It's some. I think, you know, it's it's almost like we're, we are punishing like a healthy masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Like that's just necessary, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a part of humans. Oh yeah, you and know it, what I mean. And I know like some people are probably gonna get catch some hell for this from somebody who's like saying I'm sexist, but if you put like two girls in a room. They're going, and yeah, I'm talking about like three to five years old. Yeah, they're going to kind of like play with each other. You put two five year old boys together. What are they going to do? They're in gonna, general, they're that's gonna what, wrestle. In general, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. It's so funny because if you just if you just you know just rationally talk about you know like evolutionary biology or evolutionary psychology and mm-hmm. and just just not just just looking at differences, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you got to worry about being labeled something or, yeah. or put in a, like a negative way when all you're doing is just saying, it's like, Hey man, this is just what we tend to see. Oh yeah. And it, and the thing is too, like I, I truly believe like there's some men that are meant to fight. Like if you look at like somebody like Tim Kennedy or Jacko Willink, they were meant to be soldiers. We need those humans. A hundred percent. We That's, need those. It's just life. And then there's going to be other people. Like you're going to look at like, you know, RJ who owns Rivian, you know, look at some of the presidents. Those guys were meant to be intellectual business people. There's the spectrum. Yeah, and there's certain people that they're meant to do that. And it's one of those things, too, where I remember, because I, I balanced for 10 years. I fought MMA. I've done jiu-jitsu. So if you don't know me, and I know I have very much a fuck you face where you don't. If you don't know me very well, like, I'll be like, man, you look mean. But like, no, I'm just, like, focused on what I'm doing. Yeah. So, and then if they know my background, a lot of people are going to think, oh, well, he's an aggressive person or he likes to fight. Yeah. And I've said, like, I actually do not like to fight at all. But I said, I like competition. Yes. I love to compete. Yeah. But if you see me, like, if I was. Enjoy challenge. Yeah. And it was funny because then when I worked at bars, the cops used to always joke around. They called me the drunk whisperer. <laughs> because if you're a you know a cop in uniform and you're trying to break up a fight, instantly people are defensive. Yeah. But if the bouncer grabs you and comes talk to you, instead of me actually grabbing you, but it's like, hey, come over here and just talk to me, I could calm people down faster than the cops could. Yeah. And there was a couple times I would literally like, there could be a bar two you know two buildings down. You come and in, they come grab you? Yeah, well, I would, well, no, I would see uh, something come about to happen. Where's, where's he at? <laughs> well, I would, I would see some shit about to happen. So I would go there, and if it was the cop that I knew, I'd be like, get, let me get a shot. Yeah. And I would grab the guy, and I would kind of like, you know, grab him by something, like, listen, listen to me. I'm not going to arrest you. Just listen to me. And a lot of times, I would get him to just, like, chalk it up as a loss, pal. Yeah. Just go. Hey, man, you got a, a unique talent. Yeah, and it was just one of those where, like, I knew how to kind of, like, just separate and de- defuse. Yeah. But my cop buddies were like, they they know what I can do the you know from the skills that I have. But instead of me just going out and choking or hitting person, be able to talk to them. Yeah. Even though I have that ability, I have a better ability to chill and calm somebody down. Right, and I would I would say that you're so the the constant you know, s- struggle that you put yourself in between mm-hmm. jujitsu and like that helps you stay calm in those. Oh, situations, yeah. wouldn't you think? hundred percent because you see those guys that are just full of shit and they're like, oh, I'm undefeated in the street. Be like, dude, no, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You might have tagged somebody with a lucky swing and think you won, but you really don't know. But the people who genuinely know how to fight or like 100% genuinely tough, like Donald Cerrone, 
<laughs> tough bastard. Right. Yeah, like he'll go and the like bad man. Yeah, and he'll go and like roll a doom buggy a week before a UFC fight. Yeah, he doesn't do things that but, are advised. No, but <laughs> if you think about it though, if you've ever seen him interact with the people he's fighting or like a crowd, he is smiling ear to ear, wanting to love on everybody. Yeah, he's and not he, angry. No, and I feel like the people that actually know how to fight know how to do jitsu. Yeah, like like the really good people. Like, look, Andrew Wilsey, you know, yeah. number six in the world. He's amazing. Soft-spoken individual. I talk to him about books more than I do jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I like Andrew a lot. Yeah, and that's one of those things. Like, he could totally whoop the shit out of 99% of the population. He could. And jiu-jitsu. Yeah, but he's really just soft-spoken. Just give me a, you know, nerdy book to read. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's a good dude. Yeah, he just, he just has a, a very uh, unique mind, right? He just, man, he's just tuned in. Exactly. And I, I, I truly think that's something that, you know, with law enforcement and military, they're starting to go more towards jiu-jitsu because they see the, when you have this confidence of knowing how to control somebody, Yeah. you don't need to punch, you don't need to draw your weapon as much. Are there times you have to? Like somebody's firing rounds at you. Inevitably, for sure. Yeah. But if you can, you know, one, if you have the confidence to handle situations without without getting scared or overreacting or allowing, you know, your adrenaline to shoot up to where you, now you can't make a good sound decision, yeah. right? And then you do panic and go straight to your weapon. Yeah. If we can eliminate that, then that would be ideal. Oh, oh yeah. Because I've had a lot of uh, – because I don't have a lot. I probably have, like, seven or eight cops that I coach. Yeah. And they've all said after, like, three months, like, how I talk to people has changed. I'm a lot calmer. Yeah. And there is a physical, but like, I'm not worried about it. I'm not instantly calling for backup. Yeah. Cause you know, man, we all like to believe we have certain abilities mm-hmm. that we don't, you know, we all, we oh, all yeah. overestimate our capabilities. We all underestimate how much we actually eat and move. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and man, just having the, uh, just uh, an idea is like, all right, well, if we do fall, I know what I'm doing during that situation, as opposed to it just being a complete mystery, which is super scary. Mm-hmm. And that's going to cause you to panic and make poor decisions, and who knows where that could lead to. Oh, yeah. Um, 100%. 100% agree with that statement. Have you, have you ever had any of your guys, um, are you like teaching them jujitsu in regards to like how if, they, if they're wearing their belt or anything? That's something I never really thought about until – um, there's this officer. Her name's Ashley Cummings, okay. and she used to she used to train with us at St. Charles MMA. And she lives out in San Diego now. She's been a police officer for many years, and she's a professional MMA fighter. Okay. Um, I think what is she? She might be a brown belt in jujitsu. Okay. So very experienced a grappler, um, high level fighter. And I saw a post of hers one time, and she kind of mentioned, and I didn't even think about it until I saw it. How there is a bit of a, a difference with the way in which you move, I would imagine when you have your body armor on and you have your belt on and some of the just, you know, there are only certain things that you could probably do. And then also some of the things that you have to think about that maybe I, I, I didn't think about the the importance of, you know, making sure that, you know, they can't get to your holster. You know, you have control of them, but you can get to your holster. And obviously there are certain things that just play to that, like neon belly and, and shit like that. But I never really thought about the intricacies of just the the restriction of movement because of what they're wearing and and just you know what they need to have access to yeah so to answer that question so at my academy um that's something where when we you know we break and they're with partners yeah i will i will go to a cop like this is how i want you to think yeah and so and then i did get a contract so i do go twice a year to the um East Des Moines uh, Police Department. Oh, cool. A, kind of a, a friend of a friend set me up with them. And 
this is what I did. So I just worked with their training department. Something I said to them, okay, so when we're doing this, and I had two guys that were really good wrestlers. Like they, I, I, they are keeping up with jiu-jitsu, so I'm interested in seeing them next time. Okay. Is I was like, okay, when we're doing this, I was like, freeze. Yeah. And I said, where's your weapon? And because I had the underhook, they couldn't get to it. Mm. I was like, okay. Now I was like, as a wrestler, what wins f- fights? And they're like, underhooks. I was like, when you're a cop, you need the underhook so you can get to your weapon. If the other person has the underhook, they can get to your weapon. Yeah. So I said, whatever your firearm hand is, you always, always want that underhook right away. Mm. And the other thing that I thought was really neat, because they had like an old timer come in one time. Yeah. And, you know, initially when you put your hand behind the back, what some Sussex do is they'll turn into it. And they're like, how can you do that? And I didn't quite understand what he was saying. So I was like, well, do it to me. And I saw what he was doing. So then I said, well, I'll just do this. Because in jujitsu, you can put your hand in their pants or you can grab their belt mm-hmm. and pull them back. Yeah. I made every single guy start doing that. And they brought in their lieutenant. And then they brought in their assistant chief. Yeah, just that to, one grip show, control. Show that grip control. Of just I was like, just be friendly. Put your hand in their pants and like kind of wedge them and turn them like here, just like yeah. we're taught to do. Yeah, you lock it down. And they put notes and they let me know a couple months later that's part of their training policy now. Nice. Yeah. And something so simple to us. Right. That when you're a blue belt up, you kind of learn that. You start learning these little controls. And now that wholly changed the curriculum for their, not like everything, but there's something was added. But still, man, that's important. Like that little detail could change an entire outcome of a situation. 100%. That's important, man. Yeah, I never had really thought about all those different intricacies until I kind of saw her video and I was fortunate to sit down with um, one of our black belts and time team boggy todd fox yeah who um has just a ton of experience in like protection and Mm -hmm. just that whole field and you know a lot of the training that he talks about is man how many times are you training like in a small environment where you're most likely going to probably encounter some of these crazy real world situations like whether it's like at your car on your car or in your car or Mm -hmm. in a hallway or you know what i'm saying just these small little environments so it's just just thinking about all these little things, it's just I, I, I try to see these that where I just I never saw them before. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's it's something where now that I've gotten into more like helping some law enforcement officers. Yeah, and this is something that I see. I like to set goals for myself just because I got adult ADHD. <laughs> is every year I try to do two law enforcement seminars, and I also do three women's self defense seminars. Oh, cool. So that's something where. I do believe, because there's no other rhyme or way to say this, is there's a bunch of fucking weird people out there Yeah. nowadays. It really is. Like, it's, I don't know what it is. A lot of humans in the world. Yeah. And so I think it's important for law enforcement to learn this because it's a safer way. to also, so they can go home, but also, too, for if there's a suspect that it's going to be safer for them. Mm-hmm. And also, too, for women. Like, how many times is there, you know women who are kidnapped or sex trafficking or women being abducted every day, man. Yeah. So learning some of this and it's been very fortunate for me because I've had two women that they were college students. They learned some basic boxing, very basic grappling. And they actually did get attacked when they were on the train in Chicago. Oh shit. And they didn't like beat the shit out of them, but they were able to get a couple in, stun the guy and run. And that's dude. And right then I was like, that was worth every single thing of me teaching them because they were safe from learning the basics. Yeah, man. It's just about being able to, to protect yourself enough where you can 
get to safety. Mm-hmm. It's not about whether or not you could teach these people so that way they can go disarm or you know maim somebody or anything like that. You know, no, it's just dude, can you? Come, that's amazing. Can you go home safe? Yeah, I taught you something. You retained it. You were able to apply it and get home safe. Right. My job's done. Yeah, and dude, it's one of the scariest things. I mean, I have a daughter, so it was. I was very. Um, adamant on her learning just some basic jujitsu. I don't need her to compete in it or mm-hmm. or do it forever, but she's been doing it for quite some time. And uh, it's just, you know, if if uh, unfortunately for a woman, a very compromising position they could be in is on their back with a man in between their legs. Yep. And fortunately for us in jujitsu, that's a position we train a lot. So. Yep. You're on, you're on offense. Yeah. You know. So it. You know. I just need. It's just. It's just such a a good idea to just have this little basic. Just move. Mm-hmm. Can you shrimp? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Can you can you control their posture or you know just try to do something anything yep. you know what i mean to maybe create some distance and get away or mm-hmm. get them off you know what i'm saying but if you don't train it you don't know oh yeah and man just just a little bit of knowledge to your point can go a really long way oh yeah and that that was kind of neat because the other thing with the women's self-defense arms is that i showed them how to grab a shirt and start doing cross collar chokes dude and all these it well there's two sides of this which is kind of funny is they say I never thought I could use their clothing as a you know as a, a way to choke against them. them. Yeah, and then I always get this: is well, if I choke them, won't they die? <laughs> and you've been you've been unconscious, you've been choked. I'll oh yeah, yeah, you're not gonna die. So the first maybe yeah, hopefully for those fucks. Yeah. So the first the first time I did it, I was like, no, you won't die. You're just gonna go to sleep for a little bit. So now what I do is now when I teach these seminars. And I, ha- I have my students that are cops. I have them help teach. So that way then they're like, well, could I get in trouble legally? I'm like, ask the cops. Yeah. So I keep my mouth shut. Yeah. But also I have one of them every seminar put me to sleep. <laughs> and I just said. I don't think very healthy, bro. Yeah. Well, this is, I just, I start off and they just do a rear choke and I have my arms up. And then when I go down, then they stop and I come to. Yeah. And I said, so this is what's going to happen. If you hold it long enough, you will feel their body go limp, just like I did. And then, hey man, they got during, to feel it in the world during that couple minutes. You get to go up and run. So I said, the only way you're going to kill somebody is if you hold it for like ten minutes. Right. And I said, your arm strength is going to go out before that. Yeah, I've definitely been guilty of holding, you know, like a blood choke or something for an extra five, ten seconds before. Then you're just like, shit. You're like, fucked it. Well, not even that. It's just like, oh, shit, man. I didn't realize you were out, mm-hmm. and I had you choking for, you know, a little bit longer than I needed to. And it's like, shit. Like, that sucks, but I know you're going to be okay. Yeah. You know they what I mean? Take even, a little even, quick little nap. Right. Then. Now, if it was excessive, then we got a problem. Yeah, you're not going to hold somebody for five, ten minutes. No, you're going to burn out, dude. Your forearm is so it, tired, dude. Exactly. So that's the other aspect of the self-defense seminar that I teach that they That's learn. cool, man. And that's one of the things where I think, too, that's kind of leading by example. Again, where it's like, okay, I'm going to put myself, I'm going to go completely unconscious in front of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I don't recommend that to people. I don't but, recommend it either. Yeah, but it's one of those things where okay, this just happened to me, but you see, I'm awake, I'm fine, and I still have another hour to teach you guys. Right. So some shitbag is doing this to you, put the fucker to sleep, soccer kick him in the head, and run away. That's yeah. my exact words. 100%. And, and they said, they're like, well, would we get in trouble if we soccer kick him in the head? And every single cop's like, fuck no. What cop <laughs> is going to be like, you know, this, this scumbag who 
obviously was just trying to rape you or assault you or whatever the case yeah. may be. You put him to sleep and then kicked him and ran away. What cop is going to be like, you know yep. what? Now you you never know, man. It gets wonky out here sometimes. Self-defense right there. You're if, you're, if you're listening in Florida, maybe don't listen to what we're saying because <laughs> yeah. Florida's a little weird. Yeah, I might agree with that. But, <laughs> no, but that's and that's one of those things where I feel like also I'm giving back to my community. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, so like I said, it's – and. The one that's coming up, it's one's going to be really special for me because we're doing it in October. And one of my really good friends, Terry, she has breast cancer. October is breast cancer month. Yeah. So what I'm doing is half the money is going to her for her bills. Oh, cool. And the last self-defense seminar I did, half the money went to my local battered women's shelter. Mm. So it's one of those things where, you know, because I see some self-defense seminars that they're like 100 to 200 bucks. That's crazy. And I just charge forty dollars. Oh wow! So I get. So a, you're truly just trying to give back and just help people. With yeah, the whole thing. and that's one of the things where you know instead of me taking all the money and then going doing whatever is Terry's going to be there. So right away with the money, I'm literally taking it. And it there. Yeah. Go for it. You so give I, her all the money. I, I give her half. So oh. half the money goes to her. And well, you then, should charge more so that way you can give more. I I thought about that, but then I was, not even like because you're trying to make more. I'm just saying because then you can give more. Yeah, I was just worried that then I'm gonna look like I'm trying to be greedy with it. Ah, uh, yeah. So that's one of those where. Well, even if you want up to like sixty bucks. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say a thing for donations. So yeah. if you want to donate more, oh, that's cool. Extra donations goes right to her. Yeah. Because yeah. that's one of the things where financially I don't need to do this. Yeah. I'm just doing because I want to help people. Yeah. Help the local community. Yeah. I bet you could get away charging a hundred bucks. <laughs> I yeah, but we're we're right by a local college. Uh huh. So um, having flyers made, I'm gonna go to all the sororities and go to like some of the good salons. move, man. Good move. So that way, then. Because there actually was an assault not too long ago in my hometown yeah. on the college campus. Oh, really? You think you get just paid by the campus to be brought in? Honestly, probably not. Because, and this is this is why, like, it's not. Um, I mean, I, I, that'd be cool if I did. Yeah. But I think that's there's probably a lot of like legality behind. There's always it. red tape and liability. And yeah. Different things you gotta go through but, with these things. But I do have some good friends that are at the Illinois State University, the police departments. Mm-hmm. So I'm letting them, with that. I'm cool. letting them doing, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. And I've done like ride-alongs with some of my local police departments. So that way then they know, hey, again, this guy's with yeah. us. And then they know he's a good person. So if they're trying to help with like the women's assaults, hey, here's a good guy that does three to four seminars a year. Yeah. Go to his. Man, that's cool, man. Officers have such a hard job. Such mm-hmm. a difficult job. I do not envy the job that they have to do. Especially nowadays. Like, you know, yeah. back in the day, it was a little bit different. But nowadays, how the limelight's on you for everything, big, yeah. small. Well, that's good and yeah. bad because, unfortunately, the whole – I every, the, I always like to say there's never everything – it's not everything – it's never just black and white, right? No, there's always nuance and grade and oh, yeah. you need context and stuff. But it's like there are a lot of good people who are in a, a career that is just – there's just a lot wrong with it, like the structure and the way mm-hmm. it practices and recruiting, and just so many things that need to be fixed, right, to 100%. to make that a better career. Mm-hmm. And then you just got a lot of people who just initially get into this with great intentions who just get bogged down by just all the – just how bad it, the whole thing is put together. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, dang, man. Like, they have such a hard job. Yeah. And, and this has always been my point of view because, you know, there's some people that they, well, I hate police. Why? Well, because this person in this state did this. So this is what I always said is there are good officers and there's shitbags. Yeah. There are good lawyers and there are shitbags. 
there's great construction workers and there's shit bags. Yeah. There's great doctors and there's shit bags. There's always that. So I said it's hard for you to judge everyone as a whole because one person made a bad decision. And you got to think too, like, you know, I have some friends that are lawyers. There's a guy that I used to be a bouncer with that's a great friend of mine. Yeah. He was, you know, my lawyer when I bought my house, when I started my business. And he's a phenomenal guy. Like, do anything for him. He'd call me two in the morning on the side of the road. I'd come get him. Yeah. But I have some other guys who are lawyers who are the biggest scumbags in the world. Oh, yeah. And they're you literally the- in the same building that my buddy's in. Yeah. And I'm not going to judge every lawyer because I know this one guy's a shitbag. Yeah. Because I know my buddy Mike, he's a great, wonderful person. Same with my friend Catherine. They're awesome people. You definitely get the gambit. It's just some careers can't have shitbags. Yep. Like like that one. You, we gotta. That's why they got to do better like with recruiting and shit like that and training, right? Because you okay. can't have shitbags as police officers, unfortunately. No. So and it, and it's, it's just one of those things, man. I definitely do not envy that. That fucking it's, career. No, it's a tough it's career. Tough. And it's it's a lot harder, too, to get on. Because I remember, like, um, where I'm at in Bloomington, Illinois, they used to have two to 300 people apply whenever they were hiring for, like, two spots. Oh, yeah. Now they only get, like, 40 people. They probably have a hard time getting applicants these days. Nobody so, wants that pressure, man. Yeah, it's very unfortunate because it used to be such a great career. Like, you know, give back to your community, lead by example. And there's some that still do. Like, I know there's a, a guy that's a local cop, and he's a great cop. I've, I knew him before he was a cop, mm-hmm. and he still was, like, a good human being then. He still is now. And now he does. He organizes stuff for kids where yeah. the cops are there. You Some know, of the like, best humans I know are police officers. Oh, yeah. I roll with them on a regular basis at jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I have some amazing conversations with these gentlemen. They help mm-hmm. me see things in a different way all the time. and learn. Like, I love talking to these guys. Just some of the best mm-hmm. people I've ever met. Oh, yeah. And even, like, you know, when I was in the hospital, you know, I had some of the guys who were cops and even like their wives were like, hey, do you need anything? Because they knew that like with the coaching and the team, I helped their husband, you know, with his mentally, the stresses of the job. Yeah, it's yeah, important to have that release. Burn off. So now even like the wives are some of my best friends. They're like, hey, you've helped my husband out. You're down. What can I do to They're help you? They're hooking you up with cookies and stuff, bro. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny? I did. Actually, I did joke around and on my social media, I said, in the hospital, somebody bring me cookies. Yeah. So somebody did bring me a Chips Ahoy cookie thing. Oh, did they? But I never had one. And all my friends that were visiting, they're like, hey, let me get one. And they're all, you know. Then towards the end, when I could actually walk, I was like, son of a bitch. I asked for these cookies. I got them. I never even had one. That's funny. It's like you want it and then once you get it. <laughs> yeah. Then I was like, oh, I can finally get up and walk. And then I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Were you even hungry during that time? Were you in just so much pain? I think at, at the beginning I was. Um, just because like I still had that appetite, mm. but then towards the end when like I'm just laying on my back, yeah. So I wasn't doing anything to burn calories, right? And even now, like definitely, I know it's like my appetite isn't what is because I'm just slowly able to work out now. Yeah, that's a good thing though. Yeah, I mean you don't want to consume if you're not burning. Yeah. So I I even noticed my appetite of when I started at the hospital. Yeah. What I would eat and still would like ask for snacks and then at the end I was just like yeah. barely eating three meals. Well, it sounds like you're in tune with your body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cuz it you know there's there's so many people who are just they routinely just eat or dude, I find myself I'll be bored. I'm just like, oh, let me just go snack just on something. Snack. The yeah. bored snacking, even though you're not hungry or maybe you're thirsty and mm-hmm. you just ignore that and instead you snack on something mm-hmm. or you're like, oh, I got to get X amount of meals in a day. And it's like, well, I don't really need this because I'm not actually 
using it. I'm not yep. moving. So mm-hmm. if you just ignore those cues, then you don't really do what you what your body's telling you to do. Right. Yeah. You know? So it seems like you're pretty in, in tune with that. Yeah, and that's that's part of my education, exercise science, and I got a minor in nutrition is because, you know, I remember in high school coach would be like, well, you need to eat more protein. Yeah. So my dumb ass and just lack of knowledge, I need to go to KFC and get a four-piece. Protein's protein, bro. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> Dirty bulking. Exactly. Well, I just, I just didn't know because I was like, okay, and I would, I would read like Men's Health and Flex Magazine, yeah. and it was eat chicken. But I just didn't have the chicken edu- and rice and broccoli. Yeah, all I, I just you. didn't have the education. I was like, "Well, KFC chicken, right? It's, it's fine. Yeah, whatever. Not, not the grease or completely. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, and then canola oil. Yeah, and then when I went to college and I had really good professors, and I would ask a lot of like, I totally was that annoying guy for like those classes. Really, like, just... I would ask questions and. And I told him, like, this is my plan after college. Did you play sports in high school and college? or? Yeah, so I did. Um, in high school, it was kind of funny because I did football. And then I went to boxing. And I did track. And I was never – I don't think I ever won a race in track. <laughs> I did it just to, to do it, just okay. to stay in shape. But there wasn't, like, a sport where you're like, oh, I did this all through high school? It, it, it's, it's football, football track. Football was, was your – And then so – You did them both all, all through – okay. Yeah, and then also, too, uh, a lot of people know this, but – three years i actually was on a competitive cheerleading team oh really yeah so you were busy during that time of sports yeah i've always been like that um and it was kind of funny because i've now that like i'm older uh-huh. like and i was like one of the first generation of like the male cheerleaders <laughs> and i totally got some shit for it oh for sure bro but i was like even you go to cheerleading camp there's a whole four five hundred girls and yeah, i was like there's that on. yeah there's that and those dudes are pretty athletic yeah because i can do like well, not right now, but like literally the week before I hurt this, I could still stand and do a backflip oh, really? at 38. Oh, wow, bro. Yeah, and that was one of those things where I feel like um, at a young age, not being afraid to go against the grain and kind of do like this is something that's cool and interesting. Yeah, you like I, it. I wanted to do it, yeah. Yeah. And then still to this day, jujitsu is kind of weird because I tell people, I'm like, listen, you're going to be between a guy's legs. He's going to be squeezing you. He's going to try to, like, hold you, basically hug you until he can choke you. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, sub, it's a unique subculture, it, sub, it, subculture. Yeah, it really is. And also, to like, developing my entire garage as a gym. Like, I have squat racks, dumbbells, 5 to 100 kettlebells. That's not what normal people do when they buy a home. They want to have it for their car. Sounds amazing to me. Yeah, you but. Just describe my perfect gym. Yeah, like, and I, I actually did the math for my insurance my all the equipment i have almost cost the same amount that i purchased my home for, for real i got yeah i got I priorities my, man yeah. i love it and then also too like to go with because i have a very good job career with my job but then to also add on to doing a jiu-jitsu academy yeah you have a second business right there yeah i'd third third <laughs> business yeah because you already have the training i have the, tra- have the personal training i have a non-for-profit i have a jiu-jitsu academy and a full-time job with rivian oh my god and it's like dude. Financially, do I need the personal training jiu-jitsu? No. Do I need to have it, you know, like all that added pressure? No, I don't. But, again, I love it. I was interested in it. And so many people were like, you don't need to do this or it's dumb. I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I love it. That's what you enjoy doing. And I was like, you know, if I came into an abundance of money, I would get rid of my full-time job and I would just coach and personal train and be incredibly happy the rest of my life. It's not a bad move, dude. Yeah. And, like I said, if things keep going the way they're doing, because I actually – joined pedigo during the pandemic oh really yeah it was one of those things where how long I, have you been training before you bumped in the heath so i did um mma and jiu-jitsu for five years and then 
when I got all done with college at Eastern Illinois, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm done getting hit in the head. You know, I have a winning record. I'd done pretty good in jiu-jitsu, and I had my blue belt. So I was like, I'm good. Let's pursue other avenues. Yeah. And so I did uh, bodybuilding, strongman, CrossFit. I tried other things, but I still liked MMA jiu-jitsu. So I took about a nine, seven, I think seven years off. Okay. Not doing it at all. Yeah. And there was just something about it that was like, kind of like, it was drawing me back. Yeah. So I went to a school in my town. And again, haven't rolled in seven years. I was submitting purple belts and brown belts. So I was like, I knew my level. And I was like, I'm not a brown belt. This place is bullshit. Yeah, and probably I'm, not I'm, a very good not, not Not dropping a name, just saying this one wasn't for me. So three months later, I went to another school. And it was a lot better. It was a lot smaller. But I was like, you know what? This is This feels good. I'm going to give this place a shot. So I was there for about two years. Okay. And I got four stride blue belt, won some tournaments, doing pretty good. And I I wouldn't say I was like the leader on the team, but I was one of them. I'd say probably top, top three, top four. Okay. But during that time I was bringing some of my friends who were interested in jujitsu to the team, but because the coach is getting more money, started drinking more, showing up drunk, Smoked, oh shit! Smoking cigarettes right before he hit the door. Oh damn, that's trash. And I was like, and we weren't even getting rolls in. Like he would do a thirty-minute warm-up, he would make shit up, and then we wouldn't even roll. Oh gosh! I was like, dude, I have tournaments coming up. Like yeah. we need cardio. And he's like, well, no, you just need to focus on the warm-ups. You'll be stronger. I was like, oh man, and you're that, an idiot. That kind of drove you to finding something. Yeah. So Tom Butler, he had he was under like the same affiliate I was. And then he circled back to Heath, and he was telling me about Heath. Mm. And during the time, again, pandemic time, I had shit to do. Yeah. So perfect time to go I went, Heath. Yeah, and Heath. And I hadn't seen Tom in a couple of years. Tom was like, why don't you come down and train? And I had just won a tournament in Chicago. I won gold and gi, no gi, not a point scored on me. I yeah. smoked everything. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the man, right? About to get my purple belt. Went down there. I was getting my ass handed to me breed. by white belts. Yeah. And I'd never done the five-minute pass sweep submit drill. Mm. I had to go outside and puke. And really? Tom and Tom again, knows me very well. I've cornered him. He's cornered me. Like, we're really good friends. So he knew, even though I was getting my ass handed, I wasn't going to stop. So yeah. he, he knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah. He's just sinking the hooks in. Yeah. So I went inside to puke. And afterwards, he's like, how would you like it? And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, just paradigm just, shift. Oh man, it's just like stabbed in my ego. But I was like, what in what, a good way. Why am I not doing this? That was my focus. Is why am I not? Why am I not having practices like this? This right. is great. Yeah. And whenever he asked me, he was like, "What was it like the first thing? The best way I can describe this? And again, I'm not politically correct. I just said I was like that first time I went there. I feel like I got worked like a cheap hooker. <laughs> I was just on my back, just sweating, dying. Yeah. Like it was unreal. Dude, the level of intensity there is is not common in a jujitsu gym. Yeah. So he was like, "You're always welcome back." So I started to come there every other week. Nice. And then it turned into every week, and then it turned into twice a week. <laughs> and I had to drive an hour and a half. Yeah. Do a two-hour practice. Drive an hour and a half back. Yeah, I'm doing that now. I'm, I was actually debating wh- on whether or not I was going to drive down tonight and maybe s- stay the night, but I'll probably definitely go tomorrow for wrestling. Yeah, and that was just one of those. I was like, this is what I need, and I was excited to go down there and train. Yeah. And then when I had to go train with my old coach, I was like, 
oh, I guess I'm going to go. And I, yeah. I just felt like I was going because I was obligated. Yeah. And it feels good at Heath's gym. Yeah. Like, like the, there's just a community there, yeah. a culture. Well, I was, I was just driving to Tom's at Mattoon. That's an hour and a half. And then I was like, okay, a couple of us, and this is during the pandemic, I had keys to another gym. And I started grabbing five, six guys, and we were training like how Tom was. So I was going to train with Tom. Five, six guys were going to this other gym that I had a key to, and we were going to like 8.30 at night. Like It was like Fight Club. Like, That's funny. Don't tell anybody. First don't put rule. us on social media. First rule, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and then these guys said to me, like, hey, after the pandemic, can we still come here at night? We want to train like this, not like the old coach. That kind of – Got so that kind of got the ball rolling for you opening yeah. your affiliate. So I was like, Tom, here's what's going on. I was like, I know I'm just a blue belt. What? How can we make this work? So I went down the next day and talked. We, we trained just Tom and I, and then we talked for a while. He's like, if you need this, you need to talk to Heath and go down there. And I had messaged Heath a little bit on social media. And um, I said, listen, I don't have anything this weekend. Love to come down train. And all he said Come on down. Stay at the gym and train as long as you want. Yeah. So I, I told him when I was going to come down there. So drove down on a Friday. And I got there a little bit earlier. So everybody was just kind of hanging out. I was talking to Wilty Bird and um, Couch. And just kind of, you know, getting a feel for the place. And then I trained that night. And just holy shit. Did it's I, not even a normal training day. No, but I still just got worked. And I, I tell this because I've, I've brought a lot of my guys. And some guys have gone down there without me. And I was like, listen, I'm going to tell you what it's like, but nothing is going to prepare you until you're actually in it. Yeah. And just the pace, the heat in the room. Right. You, you, you just, there's nothing you can do to prepare yourself. You right. just got to get in it. Yeah. And just got worked. And then it was funny because then I said, hey, guys, like, I'm going to go grab something to eat. Do you all need anything? And they kind of gave me the, yeah, we'll, we'll see you later. And then I went and got something and came back and they all kind of, oh, you're back. I was like. Yeah, like I, di- I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. And then I went and got my pillows and slept. And the next morning, went and trained again. And then that night we trained. And then I said, hey, I'm going to grab some y'all knee thing. And they were like, kind of gave me the same thing. And then when I came back, then we went over to where Marshall and some other guys lived because mm-hmm. they invited me over there. And uh, it was Alejandro. He goes, oh, he actually did come and stay, and I, I didn't really understand. And I was like, a lot of, a lot of guys in and out there. Yeah, and I was like, why in the fuck do you guys keep asking? Oh, you came back. I was like, I said I was going to be this whole weekend. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And they told me there was nine or ten guys before that said they were going to stay a weekend. They do one practice and then they dip. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was like. I said, do you guys want anything? I'm coming back. Like, I'm trying to offer you guys. You're right. And they didn't, they're just like, whatever, dude. Yeah. You're just looking for an excuse to leave. Yeah. And then Sunday, I finally met Heath. So I was there Friday, Saturday. didn't even meet Heath. Yeah. Well, that's why I was surprised because it's like Friday and Saturday, I have no doubt that you got good training in. Mm-hmm. But those aren't normal training days. So yeah. you're not even probably getting a, the same number of people that might be on like a Sunday or Monday or something. There's like 10 or 12 those. But there's always people there training. Yeah, always, always people Always there somebody, training. yeah. You always get good work. Yeah, and then Sunday was the first competition practice. Right, so then how was that? Fuck. How the fuck was that? You know what I'm saying? That's that, a complete different thing, right? Well, and, and that was the thing. Like, I was getting my ass kicked, obviously, by the higher belts. But even white belts, I was like <laughs> stalemating. 
Dude, there's a lot of white and blue belts in there that are really good. Yeah. Just so, so tough. Yeah, so. Maybe not the best technique-wise, but they're fucking tough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just tough dudes, and I and I loved it. So, you know, I got to meet Heath, and I think this is what, and it was funny, too, when I met him. He's like, oh, you actually stayed the whole time. I was like, son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And then I was going with Wiltsy probably like the third or fourth round, and we just collided heads. And so I have a little little cut right here. Is that from him? Yeah. And oh. I was like, shit. So I just grabbed a paper towel and was just kind of holding it. So Heath went over to me, you know, being somebody that actually stayed, and he was like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, it's a little cut. It's nothing bad. And he was like, well, do you want to stop or do you want to go? And I was like, dude, I was ugly before I came here. I'm good. I'll keep going. Just let me, you know, yeah. kind of do what I need to do. Yeah. So I think kind of like that answer, which is typical of me, by him not knowing me, I think that kind of like, okay, maybe this guy's. Yeah, you're tough. Yeah, he's good. You're about or, it. Or stupid. Yeah. But either way, either, either way it's you're going to keep coming. So I, I gave him a little, okay, you know, hey, I'd like to be back. And he's like, yeah, you're always welcome back. And then he just left. So I sent him a message on uh, Facebook, and I said, hey, ha- you know, I'm home back. Williams had a great time. And then I told him, I have a couple guys from my old academy, and we're thinking about leaving and starting our own thing. Would you be willing to give us some guidance? And he just said, he goes, if you come back again, we'll talk. Mm. And just kind of short and sweet, and I said, okay, I'll see you Sunday. So I came back the next Sunday, and I brought two guys with me. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you really did come back. And I was like, yeah, I Again, I told you I was going to. I was, yeah. I was in. That's Heath. He's he's a Jedi mind yeah. player. So it was funny. I said, hey, you know, I'm back. Can we talk? And he's like, yeah, step in my office. And I didn't. I was like, well, where are we going to go? And it was just the roll-up mat. I was like, great office. <laughs> and I was I couldn't believe how kind and what Heath was like because he just said, you know, this is what I want you to do. He goes, this is the pace I want you to learn from me, from Tom, you know. I got their numbers, and we're going to send what they're doing. I'm going to take video and send. And he said, I want you to be good to your guys. I want you to be a big brother, a father figure to them. I want you to work your asses off, work hard, and I want you to make champions. And that was it. Simple. And I was, I asked him, because you know, I didn't know how this works. And I was like, you know, is there an association if you have to pay you? And he was like, no, I want you to work hard. And I want you to make champions. He's like, that's payment enough. He's like, just be a good person and care about your guys. Yeah. And I, your students. Yeah. And I was like, and I know like the other associations I started with, they were, you have to pay 500, a thousand a month. Mm-hmm. You have to do this thing. This he does way. not care about the money at all. Yeah. And I, you know, and I asked him cause I didn't know. I was like, when I was there, I was like, do you want me to wear a white gi with no patch or that? And he's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because now that I have my own, affiliate i have guys from other affiliates that leave their place and come here and i i kind of sit back because i know it's coming yeah and i go so do you have a gi and they go yeah um so they get all nervous start playing with their hands <laughs> they're like so when i was at this gym i had to buy their gym and it's patched up and i was like does it fit you yeah i was like cool you're good yeah and like as long as you have something i don't wear. have to buy like your own gi and i said listen you have a gi i don't give a shit man Mm-hmm. I said, now, down the line, if you choose to compete. Right. I would like for you to get a, you know. And, and I, I give them options. And I said, you can either buy your own gi and we'll get a pedigo patch. Or I'm pretty much like a girl with purses. I have like 21 gis. <laughs> I, I have a problem. But they have patches on. So I said, or if I have a gi, and I have gis in like different sizes too. I said, if you have a gi that's in your size, and I have one, you can borrow it at the tournament. I really don't care. 
That's cool, too. Yeah, and the tournament we had in Bloomington, three guys had to borrow geese from me because they were just broke college kids. Yeah, that's helpful, man. And I just said, cool, man, wear this. And afterwards, I said, just put it in my car, and I'll wash it. Yeah. Dude, sometimes geese shrink, too. It's mm-hmm. like, shit, man. I, I thought I could wear this, and I shrunk it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dang. Yeah. So You're I, helping people out in pinches. <laughs> yeah, and I just said, I was like, you know, so literally every gee practice, I bring my own gee, and then I bring four extra ones. And there's been some random times that i have a bunch of people come in and i have to give up my gi and i don't i don't get to practice that night yeah I'll, I'll do like just no gi and i'm like yeah yeah no you guys are good they're like but this is your gi and i was like actually five of these are my geese i don't care yeah i just want you guys to do the thing yeah and also too like two of the guys that are have been with me a long time and they're leaders on the team you know and i know i know heath does this but this is something that this is when you're being a good coach and a leader and again, I know that Heath did this. I know that Tom does this. I know that Chad Hawkins has done this. Troy, Michael Fields, all of them. If you're being a good leader on the team and you're there grinding, you're helping new people. Randomly, I'll buy you a random gee. No, oh, yeah, I see Heath give. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll he's he'll like show your role really takes care of those guys. So they'll mm-hmm. send him stuff all the time. I just see him just give it away immediately. Yeah. All the time. So here, I got this. Here, you need this. You need this. You need this. Yeah. I see kids to the point sometimes of, I've seen them, they're about to cry, like trying not to cry because mm-hmm. they just got a gi and they're just so happy that they just had this gi given to them. Yeah. And that was uh, one of my guys. He was going to have his first IBJJF tournament. And you know how strict they are with gis. Yes. So the gi that he had bought from me that was an origin gi and he had an old like Fuji gi that didn't really fit him anymore. So. I bought him uh, an origin gi that was IBJJF legal. So I said, hey, come over here, man. And I knew his size. So I was like, hey, come over here. And I was like, all right, so here's the deal. I know your tournament is in two weeks. And I said, you can't wear this gi. And I kind of explained why. And you could see him kind of like, damn. And I was like, so I was like, here you go. So I gave him one. That's awesome. And dude. he 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 told me later on he went home. He did kind of tear did up. He? I'm like, sure, yeah. dude. How could you not? Yeah, and it was one of those things. Like you know, he's like, man, what do I owe you? I was like, dude, just do good. Yeah. How good does that make you feel? It, it was one of those things where I've never had anybody do something like that. You know, for me. Yeah. But I knew I was going to help him out. Yeah. And there's you know, and there's another guy that he helped me out a lot when I was injured and whatnot. So same thing. I was like, hey, man, I got a present for you. And he told me he's like, he thought I was getting a rash guard. But no, I gave him a gi. Mm. And, he, and he actually teared up in front of me because him and me are really close. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, he's one of my really close friends. Yeah. And I said that wasn't something like I never put that on social media. Or mm. No, I was like, no, like I was doing that because you're a good person for the team. I want to show you how much I appreciate you. Right. So it really didn't have anything to do with how good it made me feel. It was more, I want him to know you're being a good person, and I acknowledge it. Yeah. So I want to give you a gift of this. But she didn't feel good? I mean, it was more like, I'm glad that he, how happy they were. Yeah. That made me feel that, because something I tell the guys, like, I don't like being called coach. Okay. I was like, no, just call me Jared, because yeah. I don't want to think this is my team. This is our team. Mm. So it made me feel more good that they, I could see like the emotion because they realized this is our team. You just like that. It made him feel good. Yeah. It made that, that was more important to me that they feel a responsibility and a oh, closeness yeah. to the team. Right. Cause I, I guarantee if like somebody really fucked over Heath, Heath wouldn't have to say anything. I guarantee half that gym would go find that person. Fuck yeah. him up. Culture is important, man. And, and I feel like that's how it is at our gym. 
Mattoon, or you know, and any of these other gyms. Like if somebody really did something wrong to one of the le- one of the gym owners or one of the leaders on the Pedigo team, man, half the team's gonna go take care of business. Yeah, I man, culture goes a long way. Everybody looking out for each other. Yeah, because it isn't like this blind loyalty of oh, you're part of this team, so you have to be. Like, that isn't something that's, like, demanded by Heath or anybody else. It's just kind of – it's just how it is. We're just a tight-knit, bonded group. Yeah. Like, the last year's no gi pans in Texas, you know, we all stayed in Troy's gym. Yeah. Like, it was so much fun. And yeah, that's the move, dude. Yeah, and I remember I was uh, telling this girl that um, I was, you know, previously talking to. I was like, yeah, you wouldn't have liked going to Texas with us. Probably not. And I was like, we literally slept at the gym, had an air mattress – and she's like, what did you guys do for a show? I was like, well, there's a hose out back. And just <laughs> in my underwear, hosed off, soaked up, and hosed off. And she's like, That's good enough. that was your shower? I was like, it was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> I was like, Those I are the experiences, it. man. Yeah, and I said, I was like, you know, my previous two teams, if I wanted to go to Pans in Texas, I would have been traveling by myself. Yeah. And then Did you ride down there with them? So when I went to Florida, the first one, I uh, flew by myself, but then I stayed with them. And then when I went to Georgia, I actually went down with the Wilsey brothers. Oh, nice. So that was kind of fun after they warmed up a little bit. Yeah. And then when I went to the Texas one, a guy from my gym who's a white belt, he went with and stayed with. So he didn't compete. But he said, I want to know what it's like to be with everybody. I want to know what it's like to see a big tournament. And he was so helpful that. Like, he was helping guys get ready, stretching them, warming them up in between. So it's like... Even though he wasn't competing, he wanted, part of the team. he wanted to be a part of the team. Yeah. And it was so great that he got to be a part of that. That is cool. So that's where I know that I'm doing like a small minute because I'm not even going to try to act like I'm on Heath's level because I'm not. If I can be a quarter of what he is as a coach, I'm going to be a successful coach. And I feel like my friend Tyler that came with us to Texas – he's starting to realize what I'm trying to be a part of. Yeah. And I do feel like I'm part of the team, but I'm not like the full-time guys, but what I'm trying to right. emulate. And he sees that now. And there's other guys that on my team that they just on their own, drive down and stay in Mount Vernon, drive down, go train with Tommy. And it's awesome because like you guys see what I was doing and now you guys want to be a part of that also. So right. it's like, I love seeing that. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Just, just keep it going. Right. Just build mm-hmm. something that continues to help people. Exactly. Cause I, and you know, there's a lot of gyms, like, you know how much gyms cost. Yeah. Gyms, it can get expensive. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And charging 50 bucks a month. You only charge 50 bucks a month? Just charge 50. Dude, you're crazy cheap. Every other place in town's 150. Yeah. You want to talk about accessible. Yeah. Can't beat that. No, we have the largest in, in my town because I was kind of a little shithead. And I, I called every gym and I said, how big's your square footage? 500, 600. I ordered 1,000 square feet of mats. <laughs> Immediately, like, we're going to have the most mat yes, space. that was big. I was like, I really much wanted to have the largest mat space and the cheapest rates. There you go. Because for me, I, and all my guys have said, why don't you charge us more and get bigger mats? And I was like, I don't need to charge you guys more. There's no reason to. So I why mean, would I? I mean, economics would say otherwise. But you see, but honestly, like I said, financially, I don't need. Well, yeah, because you're not you're not using the gym as your main source of income, right? No. So it's not. It's yeah. So I guess you wouldn't have that need, right? Yeah, I have no need. I to. mean, if you're living off the gym, though, if that then it, that it, might that might be a different. Yeah. Thing. But honestly, that's one of the things where I was like, you know, there's no reason to. And when I 
have like more money built up from it. I just pay for guys' tournaments. That's cool, man. Every I I bet you it's probably six guys that I yeah. pay for the tournament. It's like a lifestyle business. It's not something you're sitting there trying to get rich off of. It's something yeah. that you know enhances your lifestyle and that you enjoy doing. Yeah, and I and the thing is too, I feel like too that along with what I'm doing, I'm also helping other people. One hundred percent. Because like the women's self defense classes I was talking about, I have cops help me teach them. That goes on their resume. I mean, you're building community, man. Yeah. And then, again, like, the women that I teach with that, too, some of them end up joining. And they say, they're like, you know, because of doing this, I've gotten out of a shitty relationship. I'm more confident. I'm better with doing this. And that's guys and girls. They cool. see that, like, this has actually helped me build confidence, and I'm taking this into my personal life. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I love this story. Like, I got a guy who does construction. And he was telling me, he's like, man, I had a shitty week. You know, my boss was busting my balls. And just, you know, things just weren't going right. And he's like, I just kind of thought about how jitsu. I'm in a shitty spot. What do I need to do to work out of this? And he said that's what helped him get through the week. Mm. And then I got another guy who is, uh, he, does, he doesn't sell pharmaceutical drugs. He says medical devices. <laughs> it's very, very distinct. So he has to know it's medical devices he sells. Yes, it's not drugs. It's yes. just devices, pacemakers and but, such. Yeah, but same thing. He ha- was having a bad week. His boss was being a pain in the ass. Doctors just being pricks. He just, okay, what do I need to do to work through this and get better? So a guy who does construction and a guy who's suit and tie selling medical devices, they have no reason to be friends. Yeah. Or be around each other. There's different ends of the spectrum. Very good friends, and they use the same rules from jiu-jitsu for completely different jobs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the beauty of jiu-jitsu, right? It brings mm-hmm. people from all walks of life together. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, just about everybody there, no reason to be friends. Like, I literally have guys who are felons. I have police officers high school kids police officers yeah you got master i mean you know i roll with people who are in their 60s yeah teenagers you see them all on the mats everything and it's like they would have like there's a few people that they you know they're friends previously and they brought them Mm -hmm. but other people like they have no reason to ever bump into each other life and now they're some of the best friends right yeah you got lawyers doctors plumbers mm-hmm. every 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 walk of life oh yeah yeah man and again there's there's just i think there's just lessons to be learned doing hard things and challenging yourself but the the problem solving and the things that you have to do with jujitsu is mm-hmm. it's definitely just it, it kind of drives those lessons home in a little bit of a different way. Yeah. And we do things too. Like every Friday, fr- Friday's our open gym. So, um, you know, I tell people, I was like, you do gi, no gi. And that's open. So I even have people from other academies come to our Friday night practice. That's cool. Yeah. I was like, I don't charge for a Friday night. Just come in. Just keep it open. Yeah. And uh, all I tell people, I was like, my rules are train hard. Don't be an asshole. Pretty simple. That's it. You think it'd be it'd, it, yeah. it'd be more. A few people, I have to I have to give them the no slamming rule. You get one free one. That's like if you do that again, yeah, you're you're gonna be issues. Yeah. But after our open gym, we always go out to eat, and we have a couple guys that you know they're high school or college kids, so they have to work at a fast food place. Mm. So we'll go to a place they're working. <laughs> so that way, then they get to see us. Yeah. And then whenever we have UFC fights, there's three of us when we rotate. We have UFC fights at people's houses. Yeah. So as a team, we hang out all every Friday night. Man, you're, that's cool, man. I gotta get better stuff like that. Yeah. And then UFC fights, we all get together and either we order order food, 
or everybody brings a dish. Mm. So that's like our hangout get together. You you host these at your house, or you guys go to somewhere it's, someone's it, house? So the different each time. Main one we go to is Mike and Brittany. They're a couple. Okay. They have the basement set up. Oh, they nice. have a projector. So most of the time we go there. Like this Saturday is where we're going. Nice. Everybody brings twenty bucks. I'll bring some food also. So that's what that's, that's what we cool, do. man. Yeah. yeah, and it's just a, a thing where we're just all hanging out outside. Yeah, and I know a couple guys. They've done like double dates together, <laughs> and there was a guy that he was moving. So we all said, I put it like in our Facebook page, "Hey, so and so's moving, show up." We all helped him move. Nice. Yeah, and that's just kind of like our our communities. We all hang out together. We did like a Christmas thing together. Um, the other thing we have coming up. So my birthday's on Halloween. Oh, cool. So it's a great thing. And I totally stole this idea from Chujitsu, uh, Nick Aldean <laughs> out in Kentucky. Yeah. The weekend before, on our uh, Sunday practice, our competition practice, everybody's going and they're buying shitty, ugly suits. And the Sunday before Halloween, we're wearing ugly suits. One of the guys, Maddox, he's going to wear a sundress just, <laughs> just to be goofy. Yeah. And we're going to have our practice in clothes. So that way then it's fun. And we take before and after pictures of people's shit is just ripped. Yeah, that is funny. But also you get to see what it's like to do jiu-jitsu against real clothes and wearing real clothes. Yeah, you're, you're simulating a real-life situation. That's really creative. So that's something that the guys who are cops, I t- give them a real long heads up so they can get that day off. So like, <laughs> hey – a, it's a little selfish, I will admit, because it's my birthday. Yeah. And, you know, I want all but the But it's awesome. But also, also too, the guys who are cops, they get to see what it's like to train against and real-life clothing. Yeah. So the cops, I'm like, just get that day off. It'll be worth it. Yeah. That's and then, cool. And it's just fun just to do that. And, again, I totally stole it from somebody, and this will be our second year doing it. That's smart, though, man. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And it was funny. The first year we did it, um, Maddox, he's just kind of like the goofball of the team. Like, love the guy to death. He wore an Elsa dress. <laughs> and now the funniest part was um, Ryan, his two kids were there. And I totally encourage the guys to bring their kids to the practice. So they can, like, you know, see what dad does. Like, mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's good to have your family involved in this type of stuff. So Ryan – was going against Maddox in the Elsa dress, and his two kids were over there going, go, Elsa, go, go, <laughs> Elsa, go. It's like, That's I, I so wish I would have stopped and gotten a video. Yeah, you of totally should have recorded that. So dude. funny. But his dress, he had glitter. So we were covered in you fucking glitter, glitter for like a mat. month. Oh, oh for a month. That's miserable. It was, it was it was kind of funny. So I just said, uh, you know, if you guys want to wear whatever you want, I just said my only thing, if you're going to be like Max and wear a dress, no glitter. No glitter, bro. That's, that's I am not a fan of glitter. One, one and done with that You're one. finding it for weeks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But, yeah, but that's that's kind of the thing that, you know, if you even look at, like, Heath's gym, like, they all live together. They hang out. They mm-hmm. do stuff together. So that's just kind of our version of doing it. Yeah. It's every Friday we go out to eat. And I know uh, Tom and Matt Toon, they have, like, a morning practice. So a lot of them, they'll go to the morning practice and they go out to Denny's. Mm. So I think that's something where – you know, it's just like the closeness of our team. Like we want to hang out, we want to be friends. Yeah, man, do things together. Keep it, keep it, fucking, just keep it like a family environment, yeah. right? Like you want to, you actually like each other and you want to hang out. Yeah, like, I mean, that's, our, that's cool. Yeah, and we're like family too. Like there are little tiffs. Yeah, like you know, there was just the other day, like one guy, little red, he got an argument with Brendan, and. They kind of got into it. <laughs> and I was on crutches, like, first practice back from the hospital. I'm like, son like of a bitch. the kids are bickering. Yeah, and I just said, hey. And I said, 
you know, Brendan spoke his piece, Red spoke his piece. I said, okay, you guys are both being bitches. <laughs> now shake hands and talk it out. Yeah. And they did. It happens. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like, you know, with a combat sport, it's going to happen. Yeah. And sometimes you just come in there, man. Maybe you're just a little off that day or a little bit of a shitty mood. And dude, sometimes I'll go in and I'll train and I'll, like, I'm trying to use this time to work through my shitty feelings right now and I'm not necessarily in the best mood or I don't oh, necessarily yeah. want to be talking right now so I'm not maybe as conversational as I would be normally but mm-hmm. it's like hey man like let's just fucking do this thing so there is that too sometimes so oh yeah we're all just humans yeah there was one day I I totally had one of those days yeah and I just told them I said listen I'm in a bad fucking mood yeah and I said five minute rounds the whole time I just go yeah, let's just do I was, it. I don't want to. I don't want to coach. I don't want to talk. I'm just in a bad mood. Yeah, and that happens, dude. And at the end, I felt so good. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because Tom said he had a day like that t- the other day too. He just was kind of off. Yeah. He's like, I just need an hour of just rounds and just get get worked. And he's like, Man, I felt great. Yeah. And I therapy. Well, and I and I said too, like you know, I'm not perfect by any means. Again, like I've just totally made some shitty decisions, you know, in my life. And there were times when I've had bad days, like, man, I've had a bad day. I'm going to buy a case of beer. Yeah, one just leads to one bad decision to the next. Yeah, and, you know, like, it's one of those things where, like, and then I'm in a bad mood to have alcohol on me, made some more bad decisions. And other people have done that, too. But now it's like, hey, if I'm in a bad mood, go to kickboxing, go to jiu-jitsu, go lift some weights. You have a healthy outlet. Right. And there's been people that they've said, like, hey, I'm not going to come to practice. I'm in a bad mood. So then I gave him a call. What's going on? I'm like, I'm coming to pick you up. You're coming to practice, Jack. Dang, dude. You're exceptional, man. And then they come to practice, and they're like, man, that was the best thing. Yeah, I, I like, can see yeah. why Heath would allow you to, you know, carry on what he's he's building. Well, and the thing is, too, like, that's something that I would say normally, hey, you know, when I was a young kid, I'd be like, okay, I got a case of beer. I'll come over and take care of you. Yeah. But then it's like. Am I really helping the situation? No, you still got to deal with it. Yeah. But then it's like, and, you know, and before I even had the Jiu-Jitsu Academy, uh, there's a guy in the team that, you know, he was with the old place and he left and came with me. Mm -hmm. He was having a bad day and I had the garage gym. I was like, get your ass over here. We're going to work out. Yeah. So it's like, I already kind of had that in me, but then I had a different outlet for them. Yeah. And I've had guys that say, hey, they've had a bad day. Come over here. I'm going to give you a workout. Hey, we're going to go to practice and we're just going to work it out. Yeah. And that's what Heath does with his guys. So it's just, again, I like I said, I'm, by no means am I ever going to say I'm on Heath's level, but I like to think I do have some similar attributes. Well, I just wouldn't imagine... You know, if if I'm if I'm if I started a team, right, and then I have people who want to become affiliates of it, I mean, of course, I would just imagine that you're gonna want to make sure that those people align with, mm-hmm. you know, at 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 least uh, a few like core key areas, right? Right, and, the ground level. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you want to make sure you have the same values to a degree, right? So like from the the amount of time that I've been at Heath's, from what I can tell, is that he just really cares about people. Oh yeah, and he just wants to help people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's always people first. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine anybody who's affiliated of Heath's not also probably holding that same value. I agree with that too. Because I feel like every person, because anybody who owned an affiliate or has spent some amount of time with me with the within the Pedigo team, when they knew I was in the hospital, man, I was getting texts, Facebook messages left and right. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was one of those things. Like it really did make me realize, like, man, 
I'm part of a good team that yeah. people actually do care. Right. You know, and guys from my affiliate, they randomly showed up at the hospital, and I didn't even know they were showing up. Mm. And there actually was a guy from Mount Vernon uh, that his kid was playing in Peoria, which is about 45 minutes from there. Uh-huh. On the way back, he stopped at the hospital. Oh, man. See, that's so awesome. Man. And it's that's just... like, and I would have never met him if it wasn't for Heath. Right. And he randomly stopped by. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, I haven't seen you in months. Right. And you know you're nearby and I'm in the hospital. You're going to stop by? Like, that's yeah. saying something. That's super cool. That's yeah. the kind of shit that we need in the world. Yeah, and that's the stuff that, like, I would have never known that guy. wouldn't have been friends. But through Heath, that's how I met him. And right. he stopped by and spent, like, an hour and a half with me. And, you know, with the limited amount of time I had or what I could do, having somebody come and talk to me for an hour and a half that's within the jiu-jitsu family. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, that's probably a godsend in that <laughs> Oh, moment. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny, too, because one of my nurses that I had pretty frequently, she's like, you know a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> You're so popular. And I was like, I'm, I'm not cool, but I do know a lot of people. Yeah, I get that feeling all the time. Yeah. They, my, my fiance tells me, she's like, God, you just know so many people. I'm like, I guess. I mean, I, I think I just... I, just connected with a whole bunch of people through these different things. I mean, especially being in like MMA and martial arts and different mm-hmm. things, just like you said, it brings so many different walks of people. Yeah. You just happen to connect with all these different people in different walks of life. It's oh, super, yeah. it's super cool. Yeah. And it's it, not anything special you're trying to do. No. And also too, it's, it's a very small community. The jiu-jitsu MMA, it's a small community. Right. And I'll say this too. 95% of anybody I've met jiu-jitsu MMA, they're good people. Yeah. Like, there's a couple that, like, you're a shitbag. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, <laughs> there's there's a very, but it's very, very few. Mm-hmm. Like, if I if I went, go to a tournament, I'm going to talk to just about everybody. But if, I, if I've if i previously had a bad experience with you, I'm just not going to converse with you. Right. But that's fine. And they're the people, too, that most of the time, they're there by themselves and they don't really have. So it's, it's right. more the individual, not the sport. Right, yeah. My f- my absolute favorite thing about jiu-jitsu is the community. Mm-hmm. Just in general, it's just a lot of good people. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a, there's this guy, Chris. Uh, he's in Chicago. He's a Carlson Grayson guy. Okay. And we've gone against each other a couple times. And him and me, I, it, it sucks because we are always the first fucking match. Oh. Like, I want to I go against him. Like, like later yeah, on, like, can I see in the semis or finals? Yeah, but after every single time after we're done with each other, I got one of the higher-end Theraguns. So I, like, massage my forearm, take a drink of a carb and BCA powder, and then I go over to him and start hitting him. Oh, nice. And then it just happens to be, like, a lot of times when we've gone against each other, I don't have a coach or he doesn't. So you guys coach each other? We coach each other. Get done beating the shit out of each other. Do you know who Major is? Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me is Major. That's what he does. Every time he goes somewhere, he's making new friends. Yeah. It's just all about making friends. I love that, man. He's so awesome. Such a nice human. Yeah, because I I just kind of met him through social media, kind of like how you and I met. It's like, oh, your your team's going to add you. Yeah. And then when I finally meet you, I'm like, holy shit, like, I wish I was friends with you 10 years ago. I know. Sometimes I forget how, like, you follow people on social and you feel like you know them for a really long time, or I know somebody for a really long time through the gym, and I'm like, damn, how long have I known you? Like, I forget. Yeah. Just the, the, time is just so weird because i actually i know like i added you through social media mm-hmm. but i didn't actually meet you until it was pans yeah i saw you at pans yeah i feel like i knew you though yeah <laughs> i was just like oh yeah you're part of our team so i just kind of started talking to you watched you compete and then and honestly this is the longest conversation you and i've had yeah yeah it is <laughs> yeah it's one of those things like oh, yeah he was a good guy because you know because i've 
I followed you, what you're doing, what you're talking. I was like, oh, yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. yeah we're, we're good to go. Social media is an interesting thing, man. I've definitely met some pretty cool people through there. Oh, yeah. And when you add jujitsu to it, it's like it kind of gives that focal point to to connect with other people. So it's, it's really cool just to meet everybody. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I, I'll tell you this. Like, you know, when I was a younger man, I wanted to like everybody and everybody to like me. Yeah. But now, like, I try to use my social media as the best to, like, positively influence people or help people one way or another. Yeah. And then, again, you just have those people that are mean and hateful. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why do you put this? Like, nobody cares. I'm like, yep, block you. Yeah, I don't need that negativity. I am so quick nowadays just to snip. 100%. Like, oh, you suck. Bye. Yeah. Like, I do not care at all. Life's too short for that that nonsense, dude. Yeah. And like I said, there's some people, they are just – Every day, they're just upset at the world. And I'm like, cool, go do your thing, man. Yeah. I don't need you. Yeah, man. Some people are are addicted to, to just drama and just that negative energy. I, I feel like this, and this is just my take on This is like the little bit of psychology I know. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like when I'm trying to be positive, talk about positive, talk about good things, then I, I truly do have a better mindset. Yeah. And I think there's people that... For whatever reason, they are negative so much and yeah. so often that that's just their mindset. Mm-hmm. But also, that's their only way to know how to get attention. Hmm. Yeah. Is boo-hoo, feel bad for me, point out this person's flaws. It's just boom, 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 hit them, hit them. Yeah. Like what, what did that prove? What did that solve? Yeah. Like nothing. It's just you're trying to be negative even by putting it on somebody or just feeling bad for yourself. Like... That that's not the type of person that I want to be right. or I want to be around. So it's right. like if you want to be like that because forever you feel like that's the way to be, cool. That's your decision. I don't need it. See ya. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. One hundred percent. I'm all about the positivity, dude. Because yeah. what we focus on, like that, that's truly what's going to create the reality that you're living in. Oh yeah, and that's why, like, I like me, like I'm a nerd. I like to read, and I know we had to talk about this. And that's too, like, I feel like when you read certain things, it gets your mind going in that flow. Right. So that's why I like to read, like, the coaching books, the sports psychology, you know, the athletes. I like learning and reading about that stuff because what did they do? And even, like, and I also read a lot of uh, autobiographies with, like, the military. Because mm-hmm. every, every single military book I've read, it talks about some type of a really shit situation. Yeah. And then what was their mindset to overcome it, whether it was to get into the military, overcoming the training, overcoming, you know, a firefight or a death of a, you know, a teammate. Right. Or getting out of the military and then transitioning to civilian life. What was your mindset? You went over it. And sure enough, I have military individuals at my academy. I have military individuals that I personal train and military individuals that I work with. So if I'm able to see, hey, this guy came over this bad, you know, time in his life from me reading a book. Yeah. If I see a friend of mine that I'm coaching or a coworker, just so my friends with, they start slipping. I someone have an educated idea of what they're going through that I'm gonna try to help them. Right. And I would much rather be like that instead of somebody who's negative, be like, oh well, boohoo, feel bad for you. This person's like that too, and fuck them. Like, dude, you're just adding fuel to the fire of negativity. Right. Instead yeah. Of trying to start a new fire of positivity yeah so that's my mindset also of being a nerd and reading books because i want to learn and develop to help enlighten myself and also help enlighten others yeah that's a really good perspective i've never really thought like that i mean it, i've always kind of taken it on how can i apply it with myself but you, it sounds like you're kind of going from the perspective of just gaining just insight about human experience in general so that way you can even help other people with that 
yeah, that's, and, that's important. Well, so even like the book Extreme Ownership that I'm, you know, kind of referring back to. So if any of y'all haven't read that, I highly recommend. It's probably my top three favorite books I recommend to people. Is the chapters are divided up that Jocko or Leaf is going to explain. This is a situation that happened in the SEAL teams in the military. Right. Then they take that same story and how there's some type of thing like a Fortune 500 company or a factory. The lessons that was learned in the military, how to overcome an objective, yeah. can be used in civilian life in a Fortune 500 or a factory. Right. The principles apply. Yeah. So that's kind of how that book really did change my life and how I viewed things because then I was like, okay, well, maybe I had you know, some type of an issue when I was coaching or being an athlete, how did I overcome this? How can I apply that to real life? Yeah. And especially with my position where, you know, I'm in like a type of leadership role where I have to like look over people. It really is. How did I learn as a coach or, you know, as a team captain, how did I try to diversify other people? How did I motivate them? How did I talk to them? Mm hmm. Now I use that with my real life job of how do I talk to different groups of people? Mm -hmm. I learned that being a team captain and being a coach. Now I can use that also with my real job. Yeah. Yeah. Taking those lessons and applying those in other places. Yeah. And then, you know, and I'm reading a book and something happened to an individual and then I'm coaching somebody or have a buddy and his story may not be exactly like it, but it's pretty damn close. Right. I can take that and intelligently talk to them. So then I relate to them. Then they're going to open up and then we look for solutions. Nice. Nice man, dude. Well, it sounds like you're doing a lot of cool shit with your gym, dude. I'm, I'm trying to, again, I got, I got some good people in my life that are great examples that yeah. I'm, I'm trying to follow in their footsteps. Well, just your community in general, not even your gym, man. I yeah. Mean, between the seminars and working with, you know, police officers and, and everything with your team. Like, mm -hmm. man, that's, that's some really cool stuff that you got going on up yeah. there. Well, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I do genuinely like to help people. I think it's just something that this world, it's so much selfishness. And yeah. I think that trying to help people, that's the, you know, why not? Like yeah. this world needs more love and we more need, help. We definitely need more of that. Yeah. And that's just one of those things where, you know, again, some days I'm like, God, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and then when I go to the practice and see everybody doing everything, everybody's happy. I go do these seminars and then somebody gets a hold of me a couple months later and how it's helped them. They're like, okay, I am doing the right thing. Nice. But there's some days, like I'm like anybody else, I'm like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Why am I doing this? Dude, yeah, I know that feeling. That's like, that's like the, especially just the life of an entrepreneur. Yeah. But then when you sit back and think about it, you're like, yeah, I'm, I, I am doing the right thing. You're on the right path. Yeah. But there's some days you're like, fuck. <laughs> Uh, but then when you hear the good stories, you're like, okay, that's the drive to keep doing more. Yeah, it's all worth it in that, that moment. Exactly. Nice. Dude, well, Jared, let's wrap this up, my man. Um, it's been fun, dude. Uh, tell yeah. the people how they can check you out if they wanted to follow you. Yeah, so um, on Facebook, Jared Game, but spelled G-A-H-M. I have a unique last name. Yeah. And then on Instagram, it's training underscore for underscore my underscore legacy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I started with, uh, my personal training company and it's legacy training and my, uh, quote of what they have with it is what will you leave behind? And it's kind of funny because I felt like I want to be reminded as a good trainer for helping people. And now as with the Jitsu Academy, I wrapped it all in one and now it's PSF or Pedagogy Submission Fighting Legacy. Yeah. It's all so about it's, legacy. It's also, yeah, what's my legacy going to be as a coach? And my students, what's their legacy going to be if they're taken from jiu-jitsu? Yeah. So 
that's how my social media name is also training for my legacy. Yeah, dude. That's cool. I mean, you're building your legacy one day at a time. Yeah. So you can get a hold of me with Facebook or that um, and then Instagram to train for my legacy. Awesome. Dude, Jared, thanks again, my man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, everybody. Till next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. Jared, again, just a really cool human. So it was really awesome. Uh, getting to know him more and learning about his story. Uh, again, check him out on all social platforms. And uh, hey, that's all I have, guys. Listen, I love you. I'll be back very soon with another conversation. Until then, just keep being rad humans. We'll see you soon. Bye. Mwah.